0: Log Talk Radio. Mm law, new world order,
1: FEMA camps,
0: guillotines, aliens, UFOs, fallen angels, Anunnaki,
2: their earth will never be the same again.
0: I think
1: Alarm's are ringing now. you
0: really seem to hear, it's a minute before you die, it's turning From the Mount of Olives The Owls of Patmos too Tell them about your future Yet you're the ones he's speaking to Only those with discernment Not blinded by this world Can see what is the obvious Turn into one, the final eye Just what he thinks is right in his own eyes ignore the truth. Leaders talk about Future war, it's now just a push away. Judgment's about to fall on man. only the just can stand the day. Men led by evil spirits that come from the other side. Lead It's all written in His Holy Word. Lost. time to waste, run to the frown, strike lies lines of this age, too ought to believe, praise their future for their lust. the lust, blinding by sin, they call you to join them, they to the order, that Satan has designed, men getting ready To sell her soul For a chance to receive his farm Oh
2: Father God, we thank you for all the trials and tribulations. We praise you for them, and we praise you for helping us to be able to navigate through them, uh, and we pray that you will pour out an, uh, a, 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 a manifold and abundant grace upon each of our hearts so that we are able to continue to deal with the various dynamics that are occurring around us. Not only does that uh, influence us if we have the heart of Christ, as it says in, in, in Ecclesiastes 1 9 i <clears throat> I'm sorry, one eighteen. praise God, but... Father, we just want to give you praise and honor. We want to thank you, Father, for the bringing us to the days that we are in right now, uh, bringing us through them thus far. Uh, we hope it, from the very bottom of our hearts that there is a way. Yeah, we know that it is in your heart and your love for us to protect us. Uh, I thank you for the revelation that you placed upon my heart uh, during the Friday night prayer vigil as I was um looking at psalm 91 and considering the pilgrim church and realizing that prophetically psalm 91 is actually for us, the saints of the very, very end of the end of the end of the end of biblical times. And we are clearly at that end now. Uh, we don't know how long, Father, that, you know, this is going to drag on. Could be years. We we realize that, and we are trying our hardest, our very hardest, to brace ourselves for that. Um, but yet, at the same time, when we read and we understand and we become a, a part, spiritually a part, you know, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When we become a part, spiritually a part of your word, and we uh, uh embrace it and memorize it and have it become a part of who we are so that it is embedded within our spirits uh we and we read psalm 91 we have every reason to believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are going to protect us in, in remarkable and uh, astonishing supernatural ways in the days ahead we all are looking forward to that outpouring of the holy spirit in our lives many of us are going through uh wow uh, Diversities of uh, trials and problems and difficulties, family members dying, all kinds of things, families breaking up. Just like you said, Jesus was going to happen, uh, and that we were given heads up that this would be the beginning of sorrows. I, I just pray in Jesus' name that that we are all found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will uh correct our course, chasten us if, if we need it, um, adjust our behaviors, uh, continue to train us, continue to throw us into the, the more difficult boxing ring, as it were, whatever it is that we need, Father God, in order to be able to, to, uh, to be found worthy to um, leave this place, uh, you know, uh, and, and and Father, of course, you know, I know that that means that we need to be working, and we need to be you know not just sitting on our on our hands uh thank you for the parable, the talents and rewards being right after um the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, Jesus. we praise you for that because it gives us heads up, and we thank you for the time that you've allotted to us this extra time, although it has been exceedingly difficult to deal with. We thank you so much for it because it does give us an opportunity to continue to work on ourselves, renewing, we're working with you as you have promised to work with us, Jesus. And we pray that we, and, and out of faith, we know that little by little we're going to continuously change, get better and better at the things that we're not as good as we ought to be right now. And we thank you for that outpouring, even even though it's on the down low. I mean, it's on a super duper down low, and I don't really, I can't fathom it. I don't understand it. It may be just, you know, uh, kind of uh, something out of Jeremiah, where we, you know, we got to seek you with all of our heart. I don't know, but I do praise you for the prophetic revelations, for the words of wisdom revelations, for the for helping us to all pull it together the bible, the prophecies, the times that we're in now, the difficulties that we're having to endure and to be able to put it together and lay it right at the foot of the cross and understand that the spiritual harmony that exists between all of this information is 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 is, is our life. It is who we are even today, and we praise you for that. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and prevent us and present us faultless before the presence of you, Father God, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. praise god thank you jesus hallelujah here we are what are we working on the 12th year now let's see if we well if we if we start with the first radio show so that'd be like around july of 2011 right so 2011 to 2012 to 2013 to 2014 2015 2016 2017 2018 2019 2020 2021 2022 now wait a minute yeah so it looks like we're still working on the 12th year. Um wow, praise God, thank you Jesus. I can't, it's it's a, a it's stupefying. I mean, for me, it is stupefying that we're still here. Um, uh, but yet at the same time, when I look, you know, in all honesty, I had to have my own personal kind of like a shakedown from the Lord um, to get me back on track because for the first half of the years that we've been doing the program, uh, I was uh, like most, you know, Christians that... Um, how do I put this? There's a, there's a part of the awakening process of any given Christian out there, um, and it's multifaceted. I mean, it can they it could, it, it, it could be awakening via a hundred different topics. Could be aliens. Could be rapture stuff. Could, whatever the case is. But one of the things that does definitely happen early on is that. Um, It it causes uh, people to do like I did uh, and, um, you know, kind of jump on almost every rapture bandwagon there ever was. Uh, And I was very much like that. I, you know, and then I started... Kind of like I don't want to say smell a rat because it implies negativity, uh, but I started to just kind of think to myself, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect, expecting a different result, right? So praise God. So anyway, but it took – it really took the – and I've mentioned this many times before. It really took the, the thing that the uh, – you know, the people that have been listening to this program now since the beginning all the way back to 2011 um, – You know, they they know the ride. They went on the journey and there were a lot of hearts broken. There were a lot of people that had, you know, near nervous breakdowns. I mean, just bawling continuously. I got emails from them. I cannot stop crying. I cannot stop crying. You know, those were the kinds of emails I got when Trump got elected into the presidency, because like I had mentioned on many other testimonies before in regard to this, uh, it was it was it was absolutely traumatic. I mean it was. I had uh you know we had had so many. I mean was it a probably 30 40 Many of which you know major prophets, many of which who uh have you know the type of people these are not pillow prophets, like Glenda Jackson now she always did say you know that you know if the if the house of the Lord does not turn into uh you know a uh you know house of prayer uh then these things so there was always a kind of like an escape clause in a lot of uh, Glenda Jackson's prophetic words, so you know it always made made you kind of scratch your head you know because it leaves so much room for discussion you know. Uh, the word soon it's ambiguous when you when when a prophecy is padded with the word if you always wonder if the the conditions that are required for that prophecy to become a judgment essentially uh are being met you know and then in our opinion you know we don't know the heart of God we can't read the hearts and minds of all the millions and millions and millions and billions really of uh Christians not all of them are know a lot of a lot of them are uh, from the Roman Catholic uh, persuasion across the world not saying good bad any I'm not going down that highway but I'm just saying arguably there's two billion people that say they're Christians if they if you give them a piece of paper and they fill it out all right so anyway but yeah probably hundreds hundreds of millions that might potentially be part of the uh, either the barley harvest or the wheat harvest. And then I would submit a very large number uh, just based upon, you know, common sense right I mean there's just so many people that are not awake so many people that are not good Christians so many people that are you know disobedient Christians so many people that aren't even trying some so many people that are just so poorly taught in the church and so that's the vast majority you know you have to assume that's going to be about 85 95 percent probably 95 percent of uh, those Christians will be probably cast into the Great Tribulation unless they have a wake-up and some of them are you know you can't you can't generalize I mean that's the hard part about it is when you have millions of you know thirty three thousand different denominations and you 're trying to generalize you're, you you 're never really going to be successful, but you can make a point you can speak in generalities for the sake of making a point, and that point is that You know, again, I I keep everything with a squinty eye nowadays. I put it all on the third shelf, you know, not the A shelf, not the B shelf. It's all going to the C shelf. And a lot of it's getting moved down to the D shelf because, you know, we've learned our lesson, praise Jesus. And there's just an awful lot. Uh, It's still to this day, there's just an unbelievable amount of uh, prophetic words that are, you know, coming out that are wrong. As a matter of fact, I, I would even go as far as to say, that if you took the whole body of prophecies, uh, of pro- I, I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just saying the words that are coming out of their mouths, okay? Because Scripture says you want to judge the prophecy, not the prophet. So when you do that, I would venture to say that we're probably dealing with something like 99.9% of them being wrong. Flat out wrong, flat out. Out wrong. Now there is a teensy weensy. Ultra tiny remnant of prophetic words that's kind of wiggle through a little bit, and if you've got a really really dandy understanding of the Holy Bible, uh, which few do, and I won't say I've arrived either. We're all learning, uh, but um, but if you're you know if you're way above where churchianity is at, which is like the second rung of a hundred rung ladder, you know if maybe you're up fifty rungs, that's great, hallelujah. And then in that case, then you you will be seeing the world reading as a newspaper. You will see the things that are happening around the world all I mean it's just like my goodness if we all just had one, two, three, four pages of text a page, one four pages. The Olivet discourse, Matthew 24 Luke 21 mark 13. And I think if you had the ability to print those three chapters, Those would fit with the right font size, like maybe a 9 or a 10-point font. You'd probably be able to fit the whole thing on one page, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. So there you'd have three pages to staple together. And then you would want to go to Revelation chapter 6 and print that out. And there would be your fourth page because those four pages are happening right now. Read all about it. Read all about it. You know, hold up the newspaper, okay? Breaking news, hallelujah. So anyway, um, you know, but I was having this conversation with somebody uh, during my Friday work day, which was a hell day. Uh, This whole last week was hell, and this whole next week is going to be hell, and I don't really want to think about it. And I'm trying as hard as I can to endure it. I want to apologize, please. I am apologizing because I just dorked up the marketing email something fierce today. I I'm gonna admit it, I need more help. <laughs> I do. The problem is it's like um everyone who helps me has gone through such major life changes lately because of beatings from Satan that there you know you, when you duck mortar sh- shells and you're jumping from foxhole to foxhole in your life it isn't easy to keep that you know that stand you know re- keep your pace up when you're helping a ministry it's very hard as a matter of fact in some cases it's just downright not possible and so what what ends up happening is that leaves me to myself to dork up things fantastically like i'm so clever at doing because uh, there's a you know just to set up one radio show for example it takes about 45 minutes of continuous mouse clicking and my and the new computer that i have here is playing some i i can't overcome the games that it's playing i haven't figured it out yet it's a windows 11-esque thing it I I don't know. I'm not – I don't know, and I just have to keep working on it. But right now the new fun thing that it's doing is it's changing the drive letters uh, randomly. So I'll wake up on any given day, and I'll come in here and try to do stuff and, you know, set up a show or whatnot, and all the drive letters are changed. And that's a very bad thing because what happens is when you set yourself up shortcuts to get something accomplished – none of the shortcuts work. So then you gotta go back and it's like setting your whole computer up from scratch again. And I've got to figure out what in the world is causing this to happen and stop it from ever happening again. And I'm not really sure how to how to approach it. It's a Windows eleven thing. Never saw it never saw a whimper of this weirdness in Windows ten. And I know, I, I believe from the bottom of my heart, really, it's because in the world of Windows 11, Microsoft is trying so desperately hard to shove everybody over to OneDrive uh, that um, that's that's probably the main reason. I think there's something in there where they're they're trying so, oh my gosh, so desperately to shove everybody over to OneDrive, and and when they do that, it causes funkiness to happen in your drives, and you might say, well, Johnny, what are you doing with so many drives? Well, it's a long story. I'm not going to get into all the technology. But let's just say that if I wasn't storing the radio show information on external drives, uh, I would have lost everything. Okay. Um, and I didn't. I recovered, you know, when it comes to bit for bit, byte for byte, video for video, you know, terabytes, 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 terabytes of information that I've been collecting and cataloging and putting on the radio show and using as sound bites and all that kind of stuff for the last 11 years, I have it all. The very fact that I do have it all is a miracle because that lightning strike was absolutely apocalyptic. But less than really a quick bike ride across the street from where, not across the street, but across Hanley Road, which, you know, but if I go across this four-lane... Hanley Road thing, it takes me over in the country way, and over there, they, they were getting hit, direct hits, okay, that literally, the, the buildings were catching on fire where, we you know, play, you know for, for two alarm fires and stuff, in housing development so that's how bad the, and the apocalyptic um, uh, lightning has been increasing all over the world. Uh, as a matter of fact, really, when you think about it, all of the things, the, the only thing that seems to be a little bit, um, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting emails from people like Kimberly Precious Kimberly God bless her sweetheart. Um so what I'm going to do is because of the computer problems and challenges that, that I'm having and also the severe attack that our um uh you know, uh hold on a second. Please look in your email for a new uh email with a new link. All right. There's so many people that you know. We're, we're we are humans. You know, we're just like you know. When when we died like men, you know, have I not said ye are gods and children of the Most High? But ye shall die like men. Psalm eighty two. That's about us. When we when we took on the man body, that we I don't think we realize how dorked up that is. I mean, it's just one of those things. We're creatures of habit. We're very animal-esque, okay? And that's why we are to fight in our process of sanctification to fight against the flesh. So all the things that we're naturally inclined to do in the flesh, let's just say this. That is not ideal. God wants us. The apostles instructed us. Jesus told us and warned us that if we don't get our ducks in a row and get rid of our fleshy tendencies, we're going to be jeopardizing the opportunities that we would otherwise have in heaven, in eternity, uh, being part of the bride, maybe not being part of the bride, all those kinds of things. And, you know, I wouldn't want to i i don't I can't speak for y'all i mean i have i admit it, I have very good believers that are friends, and they are just they're as humble as humble can be, they're very teary eyed all the time, constantly criers, and that's just their calling they cry and uh and they are very contrite and they're they're you know they're always like, if I can just make it at all, I will be so happy um so again. Real quick, um, I dorked up to, uh, the marketing email today, and I so what I've done is to try to back me up a little bit. I've asked Sister Nancy, who's got, like, very little time left. She's really struggling. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but also, uh, you know, I asked her if she would take a quick peek on show days to double-check my marketing email early so I don't have to do what I had to do tonight. Now, I'm going to make another announcement. All right, the next announcement is um, for those of you who are listening via I, – I let me just see that I, I got this feeling for a very good reason. There's a lot more people that are coming to listen to this program that don't know anything about the program. All right, and so um, here's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation dash now also the main website is wwwtribulation dot tribulation dash now dot org o r g all right because I thought it was going to be a ministry thing and I thought the org thing was probably a i got other domains that point to it but please i I, I beg of you because people write me and they're really bummed. They're like, oh man, you know, I found you on this podcast man. I really want to listen more, but I don't know where to find you. And it's like, I I guess I'm just a crummy marketer or something. And maybe I am. I I may, I might be the world's worst marketing person. Um, I dump it up on uh, Facebook, which has over 4,000 listeners or 4,000 quote friends uh, and Twitter, which is much smaller. But, um, but the thing is, I'm befuddled. I'm like beside myself. i like, because I'm like, tribulationnow.org. Tribulationnow.org. Tribula- Use DuckDuckGo. If you go to Google, you probably never find it. Go to DuckDuckGo and type tribulation-now.org. Bam! It'll be right in your face. And from right there, you can click the link. There's a gigantic microphone. It says Blog Talk Radio. Take you right over to the radio show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation dash now. Once you get there, it would be groovy if you would consider <laughs> consider clicking that little star to make it like, you know, uh, a, a, a shortcut for yourself, you know, to, so that, you know, like a bookmark that you can go back to in the future. But um, I know we're creatures of habit. I'm no different than anybody else. I am very creature of habitage. And so when my computers start to dork around with me, and things aren't where they need to be, and I know that messes all of our heads up. But imagine a person has been, you know, working on computers since 1983, back before they even had BCs. Okay, for somebody like me to have those kinds of things dorking with me, that, whew, and then I, and then I'm like, you know, trying to get things done around the house. Try, anyway, I, 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 I want to change the subject, but anyway, please accept my apology uh, for today's uh, dorked up uh, marketing email. Uh, Sister Nancy did say she will take a look at my marketing emails. Uh, you know, hopefully in the morning. I pray in Jesus' name it's in the morning because if it isn't in the morning, then we get into the situation like we have right now where I had to make a last-minute change to the show because I dorked it up. What happened is that we had Randy – we found um, Brother Brian's uh, podcast about his near-death experience from – oh, gosh, I can't think of Randy's last name for the moment. Um, But anyway, we had Brother Randy on. It, it's all it's a cluster it's a cluster of different people, and all of that just got i upside down and twisted in my head. I was very tired uh, this morning because in order to get any kind of sleep because of the stress at work, I had to take huge amounts of Lurian root, uh, melatonin. I had to take my BP meds, which make me sleepy, but only last so long. Then I had to take uh, some Altaril, which uh, has some other sleep aids. So I was, you know, I I was very, very, oh, and I remember I did have to take a Lunasta, which I rarely, rarely ever do. But I did last night. And so when I woke up this morning, I was just like, you know, very calm feeling, but no, my, you know, I was com- confusing words and names and getting this before that and uh and that's, you know, when you're doing that and you your eyes are are just barely open, okay? They're just barely open. You just open up the doors, let the dogs out. You're stumbling, fumbling around, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to schedule the show. Yeah, I better do that right now. And, and then, you know, and then your drives are all messed up, and you, you're trying to figure out, okay, who's supposed to be on the show? You know, and then you, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you get Randy mixed up with Brian, and I, aye, aye, aye. And then I just couldn't let that happen. And, and then I find out about it, like, literally 10 minutes before the show's supposed to go live. So, of course, I'm going to have a, just a big old bunch just of folks that'll be like, oh, no, because they we are humans. Humans are creatures of habit. We if if you're one of the pe- let me tell you something, folks, I don't have a lot of people. And it's, it's, you know, it's not, you know, there isn't like that many people that are signed up for the emails. OK, the, the marketing emails for the you know to let everybody know about the show that had the link to the show. There isn't that many of them. But let me tell you, when I dork it up, <laughs> I get emails like crazy. You would think it was like a like the seventh army out there. Okay, so um uh, you know, so I always try to double check it, but you know, yeah, this morning I woke up and I was, you know, last week was just an absolute and you know, and if you don't know why, it's because my company's laying off and they're a layoff factory and that you know, and I you know, it's just the way that American business works. Now, like I said before, if you're working for a small private company and they're sitting on a pile of cash where they can withstand a difficult uh, financial period, uh, then they'll just keep on operating and and you'll hardly notice anything's wrong. But when you work for a very large company, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So what they do is they they bail. They throw people off the boat as fast as they can um, to get their numbers lined up. They don't want to be – if they're showing consistent red. To those who own the company, sorry, we're red this month. Sorry, we're red this month. Sorry, we're red this month. What happens is that it's not – let me just tell you that the outcome is awfully bad. It really is. Um, I was with one company that had that problem, and they couldn't overcome it. They couldn't. They were what you would call a victim of the bubble burst, the IT internet bubble burst, where all the companies were, you know, all these upcoming new, co- you know. Well, anyway, long story short, they ended up having they were they were they were sinking so fast that and they couldn't lay off anymore and become they they couldn't do what they do, but, you know it, it, there's just so many you know if. It, it, there comes a point where if you keep on laying people off, you're not going to have a company left at all. So anyway, um they ended up now the Lord saved me from that sinking ship and gave me another job through a recruiter who I had never heard of before and I thought, "Wow, this is weird." And I said, "Well, you know, why not go expo- throw my hat in the ring and see what happens?" And I got it. And I took it. I'm hoping the Lord's going to throw me another, <laughs> you know. But you have to understand when you're, you know, once you cross the big six-zero, folks, it, it, you know, it's very different, hundred, hundred, hundred-fold different. So, um, but anyway, uh, at that company ended up getting s- spun off and sold to Cognizant. And you do not want to get sold to Cognizant, folks. Cognizant is a, uh, they are one of, uh, there's Tatya and there's Co- Cognizant. And they are two Indian-owned companies. And I'm here to tell you, if you think that the American companies treat their employees like numbers, you know, the bigger ones, you, you, you got another thing coming. I mean I literally had – I had a friend named Sean that was still at the company that I had left that got spun off and sold to Cognizant, and he was sending me emails, and I could I could sense he was in tears. This is a full-grown man just flipping out because they were killing him. They were killing him. And um uh so anyway uh you know anything could happen I I value your prayers I promise you I am praying fervently for you. I ask the Lord for special anointing, special protection for anyone who even mentions me in prayer. And I honestly believe with all of my heart, if it wasn't for the people out there who have kindly prayed for me, I don't know that I would be currently employed. And quite frankly, when you add up all the cost of the radio show that I, you know, that I lovingly and want you know, wishfully, uh, incur as a blessing, uh, because that's what I'm here to do is to bless you as best, as best as I possibly can. And, um, you know, and I, 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 uh, you know, you have to go into that emergency mode, right? You have to get to that place where you're just barely keeping the lights on, the air conditioning staying on, you know, until you find, cause otherwise you burn through your savings and you're, well, guess what? You lose your house. So it's a domino effect that I think many of us are very familiar with, um, you know, because we've thought about it. Some of us have experienced it. I have. Um, But I will say that the Lord has always come to my rescue. Now, I will also say that when the Lord did come to my rescue, it was always at the 11th hour. I mean, it was literally – I was literally at the point where I had tears in my eyes and I just said, Lord Jesus, you know, I'm going down. I'm going down. I'll see you wherever I land, you know. And um and then that's when the miracle occurred. It was it's almost like the Lord in, it does that on purpose. I really think he does. I r- I really think he does. I think that's part of our training. Uh and we, you know ma- no matter what you're going through, divorce, uh really awful things with your children, whatever it is, um horrible job situation things, um medical sicknesses, things like that. Yeah. I really believe with all of my heart our Heavenly Father waits to the last minute on purpose because I believe that it's part of our training. It's a test of sorts of our faith. Do we continue to praise? And, um, and praise, praise, praise is interesting because praise is from the very bottom of your heart. And when you're praising superficially, the Lord knows it. So it doesn't count. And so, yeah, it's a big, big lesson for all of us to learn. And I praise God. I will say this. Historically, over the last 11, approaching 12 years now, usually I get hit with the train first, then I testify about it on the air. Most of you, most of you regular listeners know about this already. I get hit first. I go through my whatever emotional... I I can't even explain it, it, but I go through my things, okay, and they're unpleasant as all get out to go through, And uh, and then I testify about it, and then the Lord gives me a little bit more information, then I testify more about it to more and more people. Then I get emails and communications and text messages from all over the world, and they're like going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm so glad that you're sharing this, this is helping me so much. And then I know that it, is, that it was anointed and ordained by the Lord, so it's almost like I'm this like um poster child for being a punching bag, which is okay because if 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 it doesn't happen to me first, how can I share what I went through to help others? You know what I mean? It's like going to teen challenge uh you know with a methadone problem, and nobody there's ever heard of methadone. You know, you really need your counselors, a teen challenge, to be able to relate to your problem, right? So that's kind of part of our walk. And, you know, it, 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 it's getting way harder for a lot of us. Um, and and for some of us, it's not going any harder because we're lost in churchianity. We honestly believe with all of our heart that the Starship Enterprise is going to beam uh, Donald Trump right back into the, I mean, to this day, they still believe it. Yeah, they really do, and so I just avoid the conversation with my sisters and stuff. I know they're they're passing along all these pillow profit um, prophecies that are all happy-go-lucky, huggy-wuggy, furry white kitten stuff, Be, and that, and they're throwing it all around to each other. I see the emails flying around, and there's like three, you know, I don't even know, thirty, forty people in the list, and um, I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know. But I'm not going to get into a debate or any kind of, you know, it's, look, we all know when we might be able to bear fruit versus when you know Dagnabid well, there's no way you're going to bear any fruit having that conversation with that individual. They're dead set locked in on it. And that's the way it is, period so i'm I've just left it all alone, and I just let my family be my family but th- that they they are they are who they are, and there ain't nothing that their little bitty sixty year old baby brothers got to say that they really give a darn about i mean as far as um you know the Bible, and their understanding of the Bible is got to be advanced. After all, they've been doing it long, longer than me, and I'm just a kid, kid brother. What do I know? All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. So, and then they look at me like I'm—I oh, don't have any faith because I'm not climbing the seven mountains. And ugh, actually, they don't even know what the seven mountain mandate is. If they did, they would probably just blow right over their heads they would be like well that can't be because i know this person's anointed and that can't be because i know this person's anointed and i'm like how do you know they've only missed like the last 70 prophecies were wrong but hey they're anointed right hallelujah all right praise god thank you jesus so anyway um all right so things are not the lord is not letting us down uh, he is really keeping us on our seats. We we would hope for that. I would think that we would hope for that. I I hope for it. Um, you know, if I knew that there was going to be a big meteor shower coming down tonight, um, you know, and God saw fit to pulverize my home and take me and my two doggies along along with me, you know, to heaven, I, I'm all for it. I really am. Um, you know, I I don't have to go flying up in the sky. It, that, for me, that's just like. Okay, but there's so many people that are like, you know, it's rapture or bust kind of thing, and I'm like, hey man, for me, meteor or bust, you know, drop drop a nice big old meteor right in my head, just bring my doggies with me, and so that we're all together. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus, and I got a bunch of doggies that are up there already waiting for me. So just look for the look for the guy, look for the 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 chubby uh, older man that uh, w- with his Hawaiian shirt and a, and a, like about five or six boxers. <laughs> And you'll be like, "Hey, wait a minute! That might be Johnny Baptist. We gotta go find him. Let's go say hello." That and the Thai buffet, okay? That's gonna be a dead giveaway. If they have an all-night Thai buffet in heaven, well, I'm, you know, as long as I, as, hey, I hear we don't gain weight, so look out. Thai buffets and Johnny Baptist plus no gaining weight, look out. I might even have to get myself a chair with a little plaque on the back that says, Johnny Baptist chair when he's here, but you can have it if you want it. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, uh, yes, yeah, see, I, I just pray in Jesus' name that the folks that are listening to this program would please, 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 please just remember tribulation-now.org. Write it down on a little Post-it note or something, because from there you can get to the radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation-now. And once you have them, they're there for you forever. You you can just like – did you know that you can take your cursor on your laptop? Now, I don't think – if you're using a mobile device, it's a little bit more not easy. Okay, you have to understand that um, – like, for example, if you use Google Chrome – I know a lot of people are cringing for good reasons. But if you use Google Chrome on your mobile device and you – Click on the little menu in the upper right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner, okay, you click on it, and you say, show in Chrome, okay, or whatever, open in Chrome, okay, whatever website you're on. So say you go to com forward slash tribulation dash now, okay, and you're there, you're looking at it. Then make sure you go to the upper right-hand corner menu, you click it, and you look for Hopefully, you'll be able to see it, say, show in Chrome if you have the Chrome browser on your mobile device. Now, why is that important? Because once you're looking at blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation-now or tribulation-now.org, once you're looking at those on your mobile device that when, and, and you say show in Chrome with the upper right-hand menu, at that point, when you touch that upper right-hand menu again, It will give you an option to put a shortcut for that website on your mobile phone, mobile device uh, desktop, okay? It will probably drop it toward the back and you'll have to move it around or whatever but it's a really handy feature if you are one of the you know if you're heavy on the mobile devices and you don't have laptops and other things you know a lot of people are just the only reason they're on the internet at all is because of of the uh, you know the humongous um, uh increase in mobile device usage sticking over the world all right praise god thank you jesus anyway on that note kids are you ready all right Oh, praise God. Kids, what song does a cat like best? What song does a cat like best? Three blind mice. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why do you think that is, kids? All right. Okay. Oh, kids' jokes are great, especially when you face going to work tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. Kids, why did the turkey cross the road uh, twice? To show he wasn't a chicken. Ha ha! <laughs> kids? <laughs> okay. All right, a lot of turkey jokes. Must be, uh, oh, I'll have to give my turkey warning. Which side of the turkey has the most feathers, kids? Which side? The outside! I can't see inside the outside. You get it. All right. Praise God. Yeah, so I thought to myself with all the... Uh, end times things happening that, you know, I saw a, a, an advertisement that said that beef could be going to $50 a pound, um, the turkeys are getting called by the quadrillions. Uh, I've seen horrific reports about what the impact is going to eventually be here in Babylon the Great. It's already happening in other places, but not, you know, again, it's, it's, it's death by 10,000 cuts and it's happening a little by little, but people are seeing it clearly. So I went uh, to grocery.walmart.com, and I typed in butterball whole turkey. Well, one showed up on the page, and I kid you not, $155. Now, does that mean that you can't buy a turkey for way less than that? No. So in my determination and also in – I don't want to come to Thanksgiving and have to say we're going to have fish you know what i'm saying or whatever um i want would like to have a turkey this may be and highly likely will be maybe our very very last thanksgiving uh dinner and our very very last uh christmas holiday um and uh for what it's going to be worth and i don't know i mean if, but if the degradation of this of the country babylon the great the united states continues at the rate it is happening now um and that little commentary that uh, Obama made at the um, at the press uh, rewards um, where he had said, you know, made this off-the-cuff, tongue-in-cheek Illuminati comment about the, I will, you know, start the war on Christmas, man, I'll tell you what, um, you know, every year since golly gee, probably 2014, somebody out there has been replaying. Obama saying that at that press conference. They put it up on a YouTube, and they say, look, it's going to be this year. Look, it's going to be this year. And it doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. But I will say of all the years thus far, this year clearly looks like it is bar none, the most likely. Um, but maybe not. We'll just have to wait and see. if it, Is it death by 10,000 cuts or is it death by 50,000 cuts? We don't know. Oh, and by the way, there is a new – One more new gigantic apocalyptic mega storm heading directly for, well, in in the vicinity of the Golden JIB studio. So if I go dark, you know why. I'm not going to get my my be in my bonnet about it anymore, because at this point, it's happening to everybody, and um, I just praise God for whatever protection I get, and I hope if uh, something big does hit me, it just it takes me to heaven, and I'm so happy I can't even see straight. Praise Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. So what I wanted to do is head into the news, and then we'll bring on Brother Brian. we got 10 minutes. I, I think I can mow through this pretty fast. Uh, if we go a little bit, Brother Brian, if you're listening, if we go a little bit over the top of the hour, hang in there for me. I'll be right over to bring you on live and you'll have oodles of time to share. Praise Jesus. All right, and here we go.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please?
2: It's not normal. It's
0: just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. is Game over.
2: All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so the very first thing that's kind of interesting I wanted to share with you, and I, hopefully I got this, I'm just going to walk in faith, and I'm going to try to play this for you. Stand by. Wait a minute. Yeah, I had so many emergency issues. I lost the link. Now hold on. I got it right here, and I hit, hit, hit control and double-click it, see if it comes up. Try it again. There it goes. All right, so there's a bunch of, bunch. there is much um, chatter across the internetosphere about this a lot of it a lot of chatter i i i'm, I'm just going to show you okay so the chatter is about the uh fact that supposedly nasa uh recorded with some specialized you know equipment what a black hole sounds like I'm, i'll just play you a little snippet i don't think it'll come over the phones very well i'm not even sure how well it'll come over anything because we're not you know high def but Uh, which is good because certain countries can't get that. But anyway, here we go. That's some creepy weird stuff, man. I don't know. It sounds creepy to me. If I was flying my ship into that black hole to see where it took me, (laughs) and I heard that sound, I'd be like, um... I don't know, guys. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. The, thund- the apocalyptic thunderstorms are really ramping up here. Yeah, people tell me at work, they're like, nah, you got to run around and unplug everything. And I'm like, I have 10,000 things plugged in here. This is a house of the future. I, you know, <laughs> I can't unplug everything. So anyway, praise God. But I did want to share that black hole, creepy, weird sound because that's like, what's that all about? Anyway, praise God. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. All right. Glory be to Jesus. Here we go. United States monkeypox cases counts rise to nearly 17,000. Can you imagine that? 17,000 uh, monkeypox cases, up 25% from last week. So the question I have is, how much are they lying? Uh, you know, control humanity, walk around, beady, beady, beep, and follow everybody else, put on 50 masks, drive down your car, road in your car with the AC on and the windows up. <sighs> <That's a> nice... <laughs> all right. Epic Times reports that the feds declare an emergency in four states after oil refinery fire in Indiana. So basically, uh, this, is, this just rings. Boy, this makes me feel like, once again, it's a false flag. They did it on purpose. I believe it with all of my heart. It's the BP Whiting refinery, and it 25% of all gasoline and jet fuel and truck, you know, diesel, all that is wiped out for four states, or, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to go into a, it's going to be pretty bad, but I, but exactly how bad? Uh, well, we're just going to have to wait and see because they're trying to mitigate it by bringing truckloads of, of oil, gasoline, jet fuel, diesel, um, because evidently this BP Whitting Facility actually is like the biggest one in the United States okay and and they say it's the bp refinery in Whitting in indiana so it's british petroleum uh evidently and uh so anyway they they're trying to get around it and they're setting up what they call states of emergency at, in these areas for states indiana uh um I, I, it's uh, also includes uh michigan um i'm trying to think missouri no is it missouri or wisconsin but anyway yeah it's it, it it's going to be a little Touch and go there for a while. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, and, and oh, I have to share this with you. This came from God Healer 7. I'm not going to comment on it. I'm simply going to read it. Daughter, speak of the coming danger. Man has been sending messages into space for decades in an effort to find others like himself. <laughs> the others have heard man man's call. Soon, starmen will arrive. <laughs> Man is not prepared for their return. These are perilous times. You will see amazing sights in the sky, sun and moon, stars. Many will perish. Hearts will fail. We know all about that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I did think I, I thought I would share that with you because it's an interesting kind of uh take on things. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus. Next one up. Procession against LGBT festival and EuroPride takes place in Belgrade, okay? So evidently, um in uh in Serbia, they and boy, you should see. I mean, I don't know, it's maybe it's a camera angle, I don't know, but it looks like tens of thousands of people are out and they are protesting against LGBT stuff and the pub and the government is standing behind them okay and uh so anyway i'm just going to share that with you and move on so that we can get over to brother brian praise god thank you jesus here we go next one up dc mayor bans unvaccinated children from attending school we saw that one coming from 10,000 miles away and we can see the ripple effect of that occurring across all of the states around about this time and i can only imagine how utterly distressful it must be to have children uh and and be stuck in that 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 Situation. We'll just leave it that. Call it a situation. Praise God. It's way worse than that. That's like an understatement. All right, next one up. Major destruction after Israel targets missile facility in Syria. All right, and it goes. You know, again. So there are pretty much almost every single day, definitely every two to three days, there is a pretty big attack taking place uh, from Israel and the U.S. into Syria, which of course. Doesn't make Putin happy, let's put it, you know, to say it lightly. But then don't forget, we were flying, the United States and uh, Israel were flying joint F-35 missions directly into the airspace of Iran to prepare for the attack on Fordow. So now it's public, and now Iran knows about it, but they wanted to see if they could get past the radar. Well, they did. All right, praise God. Next one up. Mount St. Helens magma chambers are recharging more than 88 quakes. Rattled the dangerous volcano in the last 30 days instead of the normal 17 that are reported. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Greece targets. Turkish jets. uh, Media. Again, so I'll cut to the chase, but basically what was happening was Turkey was flying some sorties and stuff over the Red Sea. Uh, Cyprus, one of the military bases at Cyprus, locked onto them. Now, granted, you know, I always ask myself, you know, being ex-military and everything, did they have their IFF turned on properly? Because if they don't have their identification friend or foe electronic beacon turned on properly when they're doing their sorties, when the Turkish jets are doing their sorties, then... Everybody should be locking on to them, (laughs) okay? So, you know, anyway, so welcome to the world of the weird. Next one up. What's with all the fluff about a new civil war anyway? And it's a big New York Times op-ed type of a thing. And they're just passing around from one media outlet to another media outlet. Sometimes they're all saying it at the same time because they're all under mind control. It doesn't matter which one it is, left or the right, it's the same. They just play, play different sides of the coin to stir up, steer up. Ugly stuff to get us all fighting amongst one another. That's what their goal is. That's what Satan's goal is. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Canada to return the turbines. All this time, I mentioned so many, 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 many radio shows ago that Russia, in their effort to continue to keep gas flowing into Europe, knowing the disaster that was awaiting them, they, the Azov Nazi battalion entities were bombing the Gazprom, gas pipeline on purpose. Um, And then, of course, they knocked out some of these turbines. The turbines had to be disassembled. It took them several days. They shipped them over to Canada. And then Canada, under the sanctions, decides in their brilliance that they're going to not give back the turbines to Russia. I mean, this was like six, seven months ago, or something like that, and uh, maybe five. And um, now they 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 said no. Uh, the Canadian foreign minister Melanie jo- Jolly, oh, has uh, decided that she's going to give them back now, probably because there's like six to eight. European countries that are going, if you don't get those things back, we're going to freeze the death. You know, so who knows what's going on behind the scenes anyway. Praise God, thank you Jesus. But I don't think this is going to be a very fun one. Or maybe we should all just have Christmas and Thanksgiving at the same day. Because... I just got a creepy feeling about Obama, the Antichrist, being right about this is the year he's going to do a war. Anyway, next one up. Storms cause severe flooding in Cal- Caliocan, Mexico. And they have plenty of photographs to show it. The floods and stuff that are just absolutely off the charts. The ice melting is absolutely off the charts. Everything is off the charts. Everything that God prophesied, everything that God was told to people that were exceedingly godly and given visions about World War One, World War II, World War III. Uh, even, you know, Nicholas von Rensburg going back into the late 19. It's all coming true right now. It's all coming true right now. The only thing that isn't coming true is the stuff that's coming from the people that are on the top of the seven mountains. That's like consistently incorrect. But some folks love to hug little furry bunnies because they don't want anything bad to happen and – No, I'm like, oh, let's just get it over with. Please don't make it 10 death death by 50,000 cuts. Please, Lord, please. I feel like one of the martyrs underneath the throne going, Lord, please, when? Hallelujah. And I'm sure Jesus is just looking there with a smile on his face going, soon. It'll be soon. (laughs) Praise God. Next one up. German shopping center switch off escalators, according to the media. And there's more and more power outages. You, The stuff that they're doing out there right now is just beyond most people. They're like, what? You want us to go up how high (laughs) without an escalator? (laughs) Yeah, But they're they're shutting things down all over the place, folks. And then eventually it makes it into the news, and then we get to talk about it. But you've got to figure there's probably another thousand events like that taking place that we're completely unaware of. That would be the only logical deduction to make uh, under these end times dynamics. Next one up. Euro News reports Libya capital remains tense a day after the clash kills more than 30 people. Okay, so they're having infighting and riots. Uh, Germany's north and south divide flares up over energy crisis. So there's, you know, I, I didn't even know that Germany had a north and south, but it's evidently it's Bavaria versus lower Saxony. Evidently they, they have cultural issues and haven't gotten along awful well anyway. But now with all the creepy end times, Obama, Antichrist, Biden, and, you know, lockdown stuff and whatever. Uh, you know, it's getting. It's all the countries, all the countries are getting worse. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. They're getting. None of them are getting better. None of them are getting better. All of them are getting worse. Next one up. Four asteroids to fly past the Earth at the end of August. And they're also getting ready to try out their anti-asteroid blaster method. So who knows what it is they're going to exactly try to do, but whatever. You can pretty much figure that whatever they're going to do, it's just going to cause more problems. Just like in the movie Meteor. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Independent Special Master. Looks like a judge judge out of, oh, what a surprise, Florida. Federal judge in Florida, says, no, 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 no. I think a, a special master would be appropriate to oversee the whole Trump records case. So we'll see where that ends up. Um, you know. Uh, oh, Beck, Glenn Beck wants to join us real quick. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a – thing anymore. Alright, next one up. Future meat technologies produced the first lab grown lamb. Now I'm gonna summarize this for you. I read a lot of the article. This is the new thing. And they quote the um, you know the untold millions of animals all over the world that are being culled, killed. I think I mean what about those tens of thousands of, of cows that they killed? Even the even the farmer that was interviewed said this was had nothing to do with the weather something else killed my cows so they're, they're, they're bringing it – they're starving us. They're, they want to starve us to death. They, they want death, riots, chaos, mayhem so that they can bring order out of chaos. Get it? Simple stuff. Horrible stuff, but unfortunately, it's right in our face. Next one up. Garbage piles in Scotland raise health concerns amid strikes. So they've got their, their workers that are going on strike, and then they've got photographs here of these dumpster areas where people are just, wow, that looks a little bit like Skid Row. I would never imagine seeing something like that in Scotland. That's how bad it is, and it's a lot worse than we're even realizing. The next one up. Ukraine following the United States blueprint to fight Russia. According to And it says the plan envis- envis- envisages uh, not just the military, but also civilians taking part in total defense, according to former military commander. So anyway, we know that the whole situation is a total setup, a proxy war. And, and, and you know, we're just going to have to watch. I did like, like Robert. Vandrius Mitchell says all the time, I can't believe the amount of re- restraint Putin has shown thus far. Praise God. So next one up. Hallelujah. UK United Kingdom Unions plan synchronized strikes as Bojo blames Russia for the cost of living increases because he was told to do so or they were going to chop off each one of his fingers and toes very slowly with doll shears. Okay, that's how the global satanic crime syndicate operates. Make no mistake. And if you join them, you too can become a reptilian. All right, next one up. United States warships transit Taiwan Strait in a first since Pelosi's visit. Bum, bum, bum but they've been doing it all along it's just if you read the history of taiwan you understand how they have maritime law it's like 12 miles of sea but then they have another law that, that controls the bottom of the seabed and that goes out further and you know everybody's just uh, whatever you know it's they're just it's just one of the bazillions of things that are on the risk board the game of risk hallelujah next one up egypt dims lights to boost foreign reserves <laughs> they're dimming all their lights Pakistan monsoon floods, deaths topped over 1,000, and they always get hit every year. Listen to this. As, as Russia-Ukraine war reaches its six-month mark, American B-52 nuclear bombers have been deployed to Europe. Um, hey, guys, the ones who wrote this, uh, love you, appreciate you, understand that you're part of the military and all that, but uh, – I'll clue you in. They always have B-52s over there. <laughs> this is nothing new. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one. United Kingdom government confirms nine out of every 10 COVID deaths uh, uh, over the last year have been amongst the, fu- the, the fully slash triple vaccinated. Nine out of 10. Nine out of 10. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know all about that, don't we? You're good. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. All right, praise God. California Electric Company admits, get this, that they will never be able to charge everybody's cars. You know what? It's 8 to 12 hours to charge a car. Man, can you imagine driving? You're like, we're going to Grandma's house. We're going to get some Thanksgiving pumpkin pie. Woohoo! Come on, sing along, kids. This is great. Uh, jolly old Saint, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we got to fill up the car. Oh, no, we're going to have to get another hotel. Oh, no, look, there's a line that goes for four miles. <laughs> oh, oh well. Insanity, I say. It's the insanity of it all. Hey, human sacrifice, dogs and
0: cats living together. That is hysteria.
2: Indeed, it is. Unvaccinated mothers forced to pay back maternity leave in British Columbia, where they have their very own furor. He's named Trudeau. That guy has sold his soul to the devil probably so many times right now. He's probably, I mean, my goodness gracious. Can you imagine the debt? Whew. Anyway, next one up. Congress quietly. They, 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 they can't stop talking about the UFOs. And now they're saying, they're coming out and they're saying the threat is expanding. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Everybody run. Breitbart, global food crisis, 50% crop loss likely due to drought, uh, according to the German farmers. But what about, what about the Denmark farmers? What about the farmers in the U.K.? What about the farmers all over the place? What about the farmers in the What about the farmers? The problem is it's everywhere. What about the farmers in the Midwest in the United States of Babylon the Great? What about them? Hmm? Oh, it's just unbelievable, and and just the headline just keeps going down. It's just one thing after another. Uh, he said, she said. Azov, false flags. you you know, uh, it's just absolute insanity, as it always is. Hallelujah! Please, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon your saints. In Jesus' name, Lord God, hear us as the martyrs underneath your throne, Father. Oh, hallelujah! And let's go ahead and bring on Brother Brian right now. Here we go. <laughs> God. Hey there brother Brian, are you there? I am here. And you sound awesome. So you got really good audio feed. Praise God. And so you know, uh this is the first time I I was explained to people I just dorked up really bad the marketing email <laughs> and um and it's cuz I I my company's laying people off and throwing it, they're it's really horrible. And so, of course, that stresses me out, and then I need sleep aids, and then I wake up with my head banging against the wall and going, where am I? Oh, yeah, i got to set up the show for tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> get the names mixed up. And then if you yeah. change the name, guess what? it changes the link. So then we got gazillions of people out there that have a marketing email with a bad link in it. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. So like I'm talking to oh, yeah. you live and they're all going, wait a minute, we can't log in. You know, So it's it's just absolute insanity when that happens. So I apologize, but I got it straightened out, I think. Um, and I wanted to let you know that we want to give you the mic. Um, now, that's what makes us just a wee bit different than some of the other programs that, that you may have invited to or blessed with, but here's where we differ. We, you know, a lot of programs like to interact a lot. You know what I mean? What we would prefer to do is turn, be more like a a physical church, uh, but, well, I've got to be careful about that because I'm not a real big fan of the physical church. But anyway, um, but treat it as an electronic ecclesia. In other words, you're invited in, you're coming in, you're talking to a global electronic ecclesia, and, you know, call me, the assistant of the assistant of the assistant of the assistant of the assistant pastor, uh, whatever. But I'll grab a little um, virtual folding chair. I'll go back, you know, to the back of the stage or whatever. And I'm just going to hand you the mic and let you tell us everything that you feel led to share your if there's a lead up testimony that uh you know that's awesome for, you know from other parts of your life that you want to lead in with go ahead this is we we are hoping that you will just let your heart pour out and share everything that you feel led to share uninterrupted and I'm I'm here to jump in if you need me if you you know if you're like hey you know that kind of thing but we want you to feel free to just let the Holy Spirit lead you to share every little detail that you feel led to share because the, you know that's what edifies the, you know the believers and gets us excited about uh, you know having to go through you know what is that scripture in 1 Peter 4 is it you know it's a, you know don't think you know don't be confused about the fiery trial that is to try you as if something strange has happened to you but rejoice <laughs> You know, So we want to rejoice, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to help us out with that. So thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Our blessing indeed. Thank you so much, Brian. God bless you.
3: Are you ready for me to start?
2: Oh, you own it. You own it. Okay. I can play music if you you need more time, but no, No, it's all yours. As a matter of fact, Brian, you have until 930 Eastern time too. I wanted to let you know that. Okay. If you want to go all the way to 930, you got it. Okay.
3: All right. I'll see what I can do. I'll I'll do my best. God willing.
2: As the Um, Lord leads. All right. right.
3: Well, I guess I'll start off with just saying that I was, um, I was injured with toxic chemicals while I was in the military and, you know, I, I am kind of hesitant to discuss how that has happened just because it's so controversial now with what's going on with COVID. But I was given the anthrax vaccine when I was in the military, and that vaccine had led me to develop autoimmune diseases. And the vaccine was still experimental when they were giving it to us. So there was some clandestine, you know, under underhanded uh, operations along along with that. So over the years, I developed these autoimmune diseases, which, unbeknown to me, had had one of them uh, attack my heart and my other organs and causes scar tissue to develop in those organs. And my heart was completely destroyed. Um, with that, in 2016, I started to go into chronic end-stage heart failure, and it came on pretty sudden. I started getting ventricular tachycardia which is really a high rate of heart rate and it's it's missed beats of of the heart so the the heart rhythm is not in sinus rhythm it's a little more technical than i probably need to go into but basically my heart was beating way too fast and blood um so i started to to go into these these really bad heart failure events one of them led to my death um on, in January of 2017, so about five months after I had my first heart failure event, I went into one that was going to be the, the end of it all for me. I ended up dying during this one. But leading up to it, I was in the ER for seven hours as I was fighting to to continue to live. And during that time, you know, I, I knew something was happening. I knew something was different. The The other times, I kept... Believing, you know, I could fight through this, and I was going to get through it, and I just was being drawn more by God to trusting in Him during that five-month process, and and this one, I I knew that I had nothing left to continue to fight with, and you know, I'm not a person who gives up, so I I this was this was hard for me to to really surrender myself and, and trust in God, so I'm for seven hours praying and you know, trying to confess everything that I could remember having done in my life. And, you know, I was having a tough time praying. It, people often say, oh, I'll, you know, I'll live for now and confess on my deathbed. And I wouldn't advise doing that because when it comes to close to the end, it's it's hard. There's people all over the place. You, you know, most people don't probably get seven hours to reconcile and to think about about their upcoming death. So, you know, a lot of us die in an instant or in our sleep. So I, I certainly wouldn't recommend waiting till the end, but it's also very chaotic if you do see it coming. And it's terrifying. You know, I, I'm not a person who is afraid to, you know, to die in battle in the military. I, I thought that would be a glorious and honorable way to go. You know, die to save somebody else's life, fine. That would have been wonderful to die like that in a hospital room all alone, you know, just medical staff running in and out, kind of doing their, their jobs, but not, not really interacting with you in a, in a compassionate way that, you know, your loved ones would, it was, it was lonely and it was terrifying. And as I was trying to really reconcile with God and trying to get these things out, I just, I just had, you know, all the regrets, all the anxiety, just everything was piling up on me and, finally they they thought they had me stabilized enough, or at least they they couldn't keep me in the e r any longer. They decided to move me up to the i c u and as they were transferring me from the i c or the e r bed to the i c u bed, I went into a really bad arrhythmia again um and this one would be what led me to to die and they they called in the the crash team called the code blue and For the next several minutes, I was was just about on death's door. They shocked me a a number of times. They were strapping me down. They, you know, they tear you apart, kind of like being eaten by a pack of wolves. You know, your arms are getting pulled in different directions, your legs. There's people talking to you, people talking to each other constantly. So it was really chaotic. And I was surrounded by probably 15 to 20 medical personnel at any time and they were running in and out of the room. There was just so much confusion going on, so much chaos. And at the foot of my bed was a crucifix. It was hanging on the wall. And, you know, medical people, they they tend to sit around the sides of you. So there's there's the only place that I could actually see without looking at medical personnel was at the foot of my bed. So luckily, that's where my, my direction was, was my head was facing that direction. And I was able to focus on that, that crucifix. And for the first time during this whole ordeal, I was really, I was looking at our Lord sitting on that cross, you know, and I was so grateful to be able to see him there because it instantly came over me that that's how he won this battle for us, that, you know, he died on that cross in that manner for, for our sins. You know, I was hard, I was having a tough time praying simply because I, I, Really couldn't reconcile the fact that why would he die for my sins? I, I knew full well what I was doing, and I had loved him during life, and yet I still acted that way. So I, I had a lot of second guessing going on, and
1: you know, when I
3: was looking at that that crucifix, I, you know, I happen to be Catholic, so I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody out there, but you know, that's just my personal belief, but I. I had remembered, you know, I prayed and I asked Mary to, to intercede for me because I was having a tough time feeling like God was listening to me. But when I did that, confidence came over me and I really felt like I could talk to God. And like he was looking at me with just this love, you know, that, that he must have been looking at her with when she was offering her son up on on that cross too. And from that point on i could talk to god and i i felt like i was ready to die and that's when i i closed my eyes and i i just said i didn't want to talk anymore to the doctors i said i'm i'm not going to talk and it was the hardest thing to say cuz at this point i had my my respiratory system was failing all my organs started shutting down but it you know it felt like i was being suffocated like somebody was sitting on my chest and choking me at the same time for these seven hours i really felt like everything was being taken from me and and so i i closed my eyes and didn't say anything anymore i just prayed and i told god that i'm ready and for the first time i i was looking at death and totally comfortable with with dying and meeting meeting god face to face and that's when i died i felt a shake and a pop and you know there was an intense amount of pain at gone in a second so that That pain for for the the death was really quick and not you know not something I want to scare people with, but it's you know it's the reality it it there was just this very strong physical reaction, and then I was in this peace and love i mean I felt love and peace just just overwhelming me and i was I was inundated with it, and I was in, in this dark void staring or in this dark tunnel staring into a dark void kind of like outer space you know except minus the, the planets and stars and you know any other luminous beings it was just this empty dark void but this dark void was was menacing it was it was as if it was trying to lure me in kind of you know like a like a siren song if you will trying to to, to just tell me that enjoy this peace and this love and this is this is what, what being dead is. This is you just sit here and you feel this love and don't worry about anything and it's wonderful. And you know, and my intelligence had increased so dramatically that I I was able to recognize that that this wasn't where the love was coming from. You know, the peace wasn't wasn't emanating from this this dark void. It was coming from somewhere else. But it felt so good to feel that love just surrounding me and, and co- encompassing me. But yet at the same time, I, I, I just knew I didn't want that love and that, that peace without Jesus, because I had just been been talking to him. I had felt him with me as I was dying. And so I said that. I, I, and it was more of a, a thought. I didn't say anything verbally. In fact, I didn't hear anything auditory at all the whole time I had died, but I had like an intellectual thought intellectual auditory response to things and so i I said, "Well this can't be it and it was more than just saying this can't be it. it encompassed the whole idea of you know not wanting to be even in in this peace and this love without Jesus. I didn't want that, and as soon as I had said that. I realized I could see in 360 degrees and that behind me was this, this beautiful radiant light that was, it was resplendent. It was just so magnificent and it was illuminating that dark void to where I could actually see the depths of the dark void. And I didn't recognize that I could see this before I had said this very important. This is a very important point about, not, you know, not wanting to be there without Jesus. And so I I actually made a turn to look at the light. Now, I I didn't need to turn because as soon as I, I turned, I still was looking at the dark void as well. I could see that. I could see everything. And without having any kind of a block to my vision, I could see everything. So I didn't need to turn, but there was something profound about actually making that, that turn towards the light. So I, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to be for everybody else when they die. I can only speak for myself, but I would say, you know, definitely turn towards the light. There was something profound about about making that movement. And so I'm staring at this light and I'm far away from it. I, I can't even begin to calculate how far I was from this light, but it was far. And I just said, I want to be with that light. And as soon as I said that, I was immediately standing in front of the light. Now, I didn't feel any kind of acceleration or G-force or anything on my body. or I didn't feel you know, wind on my face or anything else to give me the impression that I had traveled so quickly. But I did travel
1: extremely
3: quickly. And I remember every step I took to get there. So that was, that was really impressive to me that I, you know, there was no sense of time. Uh, you know, it it was as if, you know, I was there quickly, but also it could have took a thousand years to get there. So everything was kind of different. It was, it, it was almost as if everything was, you know, the way we look at it sensorily, it was upside down. And so I'm standing before this light and I'm, I'm looking at it and it was just so beautiful. And I'm taking it all in while at the same time you know staring at this I was also looking to the left and to the right up and down trying to find the end of this light to see how how vast it really was and I couldn't see I couldn't see the end of it it was so immense that my vision is as good as it was couldn't get to the ends of this light and so while I'm trying to search for the ends of the light I'm Still looking at it, and I I said I can't believe that this light isn't hurting my eyes because it was just so bright. It was brighter than anything you could ever imagine, and I knew it was God. And as soon as I recognized that that this was God, and I didn't see a body or a face, so I you know I, when I say it's God, I don't I don't necessarily mean I'm looking at the beatific vision, but I was I was definitely looking at at God's love or his it was his light. It was something that was definitely connected with God. And so as soon as I said that, I, I heard him say to me, and again, this is, this is inside my mind. It wasn't, it wasn't as if I, I was hearing some audible tone from his voice, but he said that I could come into the light. And so I immediately went right into the light. And as soon as I did, I felt his love and his peace rushing into my soul. And it was it was as if it was a powerful river just flowing into my soul. And really the only way I can describe it is to say that, you know, like when you drink from a straw, you know, there's there's fluid at the bottom of your cup. And as, as you, you take a drink in, the fluid goes up into the straw and, you know, through the straw and into your mouth. Now, imagine if you were drinking from a bottomless cup. I mean, this cup would never end that 's how it felt with god 's love, like it was constantly coming into this to this straw, which was my soul, and you know it was flowing out back into into heaven, but I was never emptied of his love, and it really felt to me that it was infinite, as if I would never stop feeling the newness and the freshness of his love that that just burst of excitement from every sip of his love flowing into me would never end. And it was amazing. It was, it was as if, you know, we have all these thoughts in our lives and, you know, we, we have memories, we have desires, we have just ideas. And we have all these different thoughts that happen and we don't have them all at once, you know, there I could, I could recognize everything all at once and it wasn't confusing. I could focus on one thing, specifically, but I, I I could see everything that had ever happened all at once. But, you know, we have those thoughts like that. And what I realized is that, you know, God has, has one thought and encompassed within that one thought is all of the memories, all of the history, everything that has ever been brought into creation is in that one thought. And that thought is Jesus Christ. And that to me was so powerful that, you know, the word of God is, is his thought and everything that we know is encompassed within that. And it was, it was so humbling to be there. And I was submissive. I, I'm not a submissive person, you know, having been a veteran, having been, you know, into MMA and boxing my whole life, just really, really tough kind of, you know, stereotypically masculine type sports and, you know weightlifting, and you know I did marathons. I, I was a very physical guy, so I'm I'm not a person who who submits to anything, even to my own body. I I was submissive there, though, but it wasn't as if if God had His thumb on me and was pushing me down, making me be submissive. This this was a an internal recognition of of His greatness and and His just just wonder of of how great He really was and how much He loved me so this was a submission that i was freely giving to him if i didn't see a body for myself but had i had a body i i would have been you know on my knees at this point just because of how how wonderful he was and i said i wanted to see jesus you know as i recognized that that was that was his thought that was what everything in everything was brought into being through Jesus. I, I wanted to see Jesus. And as soon as I said that, this this light opened up. And I was in another room that was far greater than that dark void that I had seen. It was huge. This room could have swallowed you know several dark voids and had plenty of room to spare. But we in this room was this countless amount of beings. And they were all shimmering with light very beautiful, just glimmering and shimmering with this magnificent light. And in the middle of all these beings was one particular being that was so resplendent. It looked as bright as the light that I had seen when I first came in and was still encompassing this whole room. So I I knew this was Jesus in the middle of this room and I'm looking at, at at this being. And I, and I said, Jesus, I want to see your face. And as soon as I had said that, you know, and it, it seemed as if everything that I, I wanted to do, I had to kind of ask for it. I didn't feel like he was forcing me or, I mean, he didn't even try to compel me that that dark void that was trying to compel me to go into it. There was this, this impelling motive, something from within my soul that was telling me, that this was the right direction. Each, each step that I was thinking that I was asking for, it was as if my soul knew where I belonged. And so I, when I said that I wanted to see his face, his face came together. And it, it was no longer the, the shimmering light and all the other beings came into their physical features as well. But as I'm looking at Jesus, mm-hmm. I could see that his, his light or the, his face was you know had the features of of his human face, but as as if I was I was not able to lay it down into my memory, so I I was only able to remember even as I was looking at his face, I could see that I was seeing his physical features, but the only thing I could remember was this brilliant light, It's just as brilliant as it was, uh, you know, in that in that light that's encompassing the entire room, and so i couldn't I couldn't lay down the memory though of his physical features and tell that he was smiling at me and I could see the kindness in his eyes and just this this overwhelming love for me for for my soul for for who he had made me to be and yet when he started going into at this moment, we went into my life reveal, and you know during my life review we we're going through it and I'm seeing all the things that I've done in my whole life. I saw, you know, all the sins that I had committed. I saw all the, all the, you know, the, what I used to used to think I did a lot of good things, but relatively few when you compare them to the vast amount of, of terrible things that we, we do in our lives. And, you know, for me, I, I recognized that, that I had lived a life that was not, was not worthy of being in heaven, and and I I could see what I I had done in my life and how it had hurt Jesus during his passion, how he had to suffer for each one of those sins, and you know, and I was looking at him, and he still was, you know, it wasn't like he was smiling, like, hey, you know, no big deal, those things weren't a big deal. His smile was healing me, though. It was it was as if his he was educating me and teaching me at the same time as I was seeing what I had done. So he was healing those broken places that we all have from, from our sin. And the, the wounds that we, we inflict upon ourselves were being relieved, because I was now being given this understanding and this wisdom of how those sins are wrong, not just because of what it had done to God, but it was because of this love that I felt from him and my love had grown i I didn't like these sins because of how much I loved him. I didn't want to offend him any longer and that was really the key that that was what was really important was to to not not hold on to these sins just out of love for for god and so as as I'm going through this with him, you know he he was healing those those places in me and you know showing me how he had to suffer and it was it was so such an awakening moment to me that I was I was just kind of overwhelmed with it all that that he would still be loving me of of those sins and I realized that he he hated the sins that I had done but he loved me he loved that that part of me that he made and and I realized he loves all of us the same way it wasn't as if I was somehow special, this is, this is the love he has for everyone. He, he loves us all the same way. And, you know, that's, that was something that was really powerful for me to, to see that, to, to really understand how, how much depth there is to his love. And so I had this, this memory that that came up during this experience that I hadn't thought about until this point but i was i must i couldn't have been over 6 years old and i had saw my great grandmother's funeral and it was the first funeral i had ever really been to that i i took such a a deep impact from and it was probably because you know she she was such a beloved member of our family and even as a little kid i really loved my great grandmother she she ended up raising my my mother and her sisters because my uh my grandmother had died when my mom was four and her oldest sister was six and you know the next youngest one was two and the very youngest was was six months old so you know my grandfather had to move in with with his parents because you know raising four young daughters at at that time was just too much for for a single man to try to do and so you know he moved back in with her and my great aunt who who lived right next door, his older sister, you know, really helped step up and, and take care of them, these, these four young girls to it. But this was such a, a, a thing, because it was such a close family. And I saw these people that I really loved crying over, over the death of my great grandmother. And I remember, you know, being really impacted by this. I didn't want them to suffer like that because of me. Cause I, you know, of course, as, as a, young kid, you think everybody loves you the most. So, you know, I got a lot of attention as a little kid, but I remember going home and praying that night after we got home and we had to drive back from Iowa to Minnesota. So it was fairly late at night by the time we got home and my parents told me to go to bed. So I went, went to my bedroom and, you know, I remember getting up and getting on my knees. I, I don't ever remember praying, you know, not like this before, before this particular incident, but I ended up praying on my knees, and I was really praying. I was talking with God, just a heartfelt prayer, asking him to not let me be that kind of pain to other people through my death. And I asked for a long life. I just said I, I wanted to live for a long time. And I must have prayed 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. It was a long time. I know that as a little kid, you know, it it seemed like forever. But I had this overwhelming feeling of, just peace. Like he had answered my prayer. And I recognized that that peace that I had felt was very similar to what I was feeling in heaven. You know, and I think a lot of people in life get these little moments where you feel like some kind of interaction with God and we get a little taste of, of his love. And that's what it was for me. And I asked him, I said, well, what about this? And he told me that he had remembered this prayer and that he had granted me that that prayer that I would have a long life and that I could go back, that I could still have that. But he he immediately followed up with, but why would you want to? And it wasn't simply just saying, you know, why would you want to go back because this is wonderful here, which it did encompass that, but it was it also it also entailed more of me having to understand what would be the significance of me going back. You know, it couldn't be just to go back for some. You know, not even just to spare people of having to uh, not have sorrow because I had children and a wife, and you know that certainly was on my mind. I didn't want them to, to suffer, but I, I did bring that up. I said, "Well, what about my family? They they need me, and you know that's a that's a reason to go back." And he showed me how much more he loves them than than I do, which blew me away because you know I I was I was under the impression that I loved my family more than anyone else ever could and theoretically I knew God loved them more but I I didn't realize just how much he loves us more than than we love ourselves and that includes our families so I realized that even without me he was going to to interact in their lives and that it wouldn't be me that would be able to bring them to him so I I realized that that wasn't, that wasn't enough. And and so I started thinking about, well, what about all the good that I could do and all these, these wonderful things that I, you know, I try to do with my life? And all of them were empty. I just – they weren't enough. They weren't the reasons for it. And when I was staring at him, I, I felt that love just so powerfully flowing into my soul. And I, I said, I, I could do more for you. I, I could live more for you, and that's why I want to go back. Because of not not to gain more glory in heaven. It wasn't for me to, you know, to impress him with anything. It was simply a humble, humble giving of myself because of the, the immense love that I was feeling from him. And that's when he really he really smiled. I mean, he he said, "Yes, that's it. You can go back for that that reason." and i i immediately felt like like that was just it, it was the answer to everything it was somehow that you know that's the purpose of life is to live for god you know he's he's our god who came down from heaven and took on this this terrible suffering and death to save us from our from our own selves and i just i just wanted nothing more than to live for him and To take on whatever i would have to take on and that's when you know i I, when i tell my story it it seems like it's more of a a, a linear type of of a story you know it happened in the succession but really when when you when you're there you realize that it's all happening happening instantaneously so while i tell it in a way that makes sense to us you know in in our human lives it really happened all at once so even even when he was telling me the three things that he told me that those things were all happening during this whole experience. but the three things that he had shown me that that I needed to to do was to pray more. And when he was showing me how I needed to pray more, it wasn't just simply getting on my knees like I did when I was you know six years old and, and praying really devoutly to him. it was it was about living my whole life as a prayer. Living my whole life in connection with Him, trying to to live for Him, trying to 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 do everything that I could, every simple action for for service to Him, and that way, I would be in connection with Him for the rest of my life. And I and I realized that that's that's what I had been missing all along. You know, I had always thought that I had been a good person, that I had done good things, and you know and I did do good things. A lot of people will say, well, that's the reason you went to heaven. You were such a good, good man, good man, because I, I really upheld my honor. I thought things needed to be done because I, I needed to be virtuous and, and not to be, to be, you know, hypocritical. And I, I did a lot of things because I realized that, you know, it's wrong to do these things, or I don't like other people doing them to me, so I won't do them to do that to them. But it wasn't doing it because of God. You know, it wasn't in the right order of things. I didn't put God first. It was often my own my own self-esteem and my own pride that was was the the forefront of all of my my actions. And that really was my biggest sin was my pride. Everything that I had, had done in my life was was stemming from pride. Either I thought that I I deserve something or I didn't deserve to be treated a certain way or, you know, what have you, it always came down to my pride. And so I, I realized that what, what he wanted me to do with the praying more was to put him first, put him first in everything that I do. Three things aren't specific just for me, although they were for me, they were, they were things that clearly are going to benefit everyone to be able to live. Their, their purpose in life, and that is to live for God. And so that led into to the second thing, which is to suffer joyfully. And he had shown me how how when he died on the cross for us, you know, his passion, he did that joyfully. No, it, it, suffering, it, it entails exactly that, suffering. So it's, it doesn't always come out where it looks joyful. But when you die for somebody that you love, as he did for us, it's, it's meaningful. It's worthwhile. And there's a benefit to that. And, you know, he made me realize that if, if he died on the cross, you know, then how do I expect to escape the cross in my own life? And, and it wasn't, you know, that it was meaning that it was going to have to be as extreme as constantly, you know, living in a house, dying every, every moment of, of my waking hours, you know, it, it was, it was, the fact that life has suffering. You know, it's 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 just we get older. That's that's a that's a way of suffering as well. You know, many people find that to be a a very hard thing. But plenty of people have all kinds of different suffering. There's such a variety of suffering in life and we all are going to experience it in one form or another. And so he was telling me that, you know, I needed to learn to suffer joyfully and and this this goes with that praying more because with him no no amount of suffering can be overwhelming to us if we have our trust in him and that was that was something i realized now that it was it was how i could fulfill that 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 part of 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 his suffering that needs to still be complete is i can offer that up for others i can i can be part of that that sacrifice with him and so i i i instantly felt this this peace about my suffering you know i i had felt totally comfortable with my suffering leading up to this and in fact i kind of regretted not suffering more during my my death just because of how wonderful it felt to be filled with with that love and that peace you know his love and peace really delves right into all those those wounds we have and and heals them in such a way that when you when you can can feel his love permeating into you like that you realize that the suffering that we go through in this life is a happy memory it's like a badge of honor it's you know when he was showing me this he was it was I was able to to see how you know he carried his wounds with him when he came back and was resurrected you know he those were a badge of honor that we needed to see as, you know, as the apostles, they needed to see that for the, for the proof that, you know, he did resurrect himself, but it was that, that that suffering is meaningful, you know, and for us our suffering in life, when we suffer properly, when we suffer joyfully like that, then then it has value because we will not be overwhelmed and, and overcome by Satan and, and his attempts to, to drag us down just as, just as Jesus wasn't. Jesus was able to show us that, that those wounds were nothing and that, that he overcame them. And, and that's just such a beautiful part of it. And it's just hard for us as human beings to, to give up this idea of trying to get out from underneath of suffering. You know, people who have anxiety or depression, for instance, it's, you know, they rack their brains, on how to get out from underneath of it and it usually makes it worse because there's, there's just a need to, to accept that well, I feel this way right now and in time I will feel differently but it's hard to do that because our brains tell us I, got, I have to do something to get out from underneath of this horrible suffering that I'm in and that increases the amount of suffering that we feel and so suffering joyfully is a release from that need to control which is really what we don't have anyway, we don't have control over the outcomes of our lives. we don't know how long they're gonna be so it, this was a very important lesson for me and and it really opened my my heart to to learning how to live for God and so then the third thing that he had told me was to share his love, and you know that seems easy and you know extremely difficult at the same time, but you know, it's it's not very easy to share His love with the people that we we dislike, the people that rub us the wrong way. It's it's hard to share share His love with them, and and it's hard to know the balance because there's there's evil people, you know, and and no matter how much we try to share His love, they're going to reject it and and use use our kindness and our our compassion against us. But that doesn't mean we quit doing it. But those broken people, those people who who have never known God's love, those people who are living in countries where where their their faith is is about brutality and force and control to feel His love. So we have to to share His love in in many different ways, and our actions can be a very powerful tool to sharing His love. But everything that that. I was getting from this is that I had to do everything in my life to share his love. And that, that goes from my actions to actually the words I say and to just how I live my life on a day-to-day basis. And, and it had to be in, in concert with that, with trying to simply share how much he loves every single one of us, not just me, you know, not that I'm special and I got this wonderful experience, which by the way, was completely worth all the suffering that I had to do leading up to this, and all the suffering that I've had after that and continue to have or will possibly have you know well into the future, everything was it's worth so it's so much worthwhile because of of this experience and how much his love is is able to impact us that i i I constantly want to share his love with everyone just so that they understand how wonderful it really is and so i i wanted to to take all of that love that he has for us and to be able to, to share it with others and that's what he wanted me to do so i i took that that those three lessons and decided to go forward and and he told me that now was the time that i had to leave and that i uh i had to go back and so I decided, well, I didn't decide. He, he kind of, you know, handed me my hat and told me there's the door, not necessarily in a rude way as I just kind of described it, but he, he was telling me that I had to go back now. And that was the first time I felt any kind of pain. It was as if my soul just knew that that was, that was where I wanted to be. And that, that this was a difficult decision to leave where, where my soul belonged. And I had to go back out the same way that I had came in. So I started to go go the same direction, you know, back through the light. And every step that I was taking, it felt like I was going, to, like I was walking through concrete or just something that was weighing me down and pulling me back. I, I had to force myself through this and, and it was intense. It was really difficult to do because You know, I I wanted to be with Jesus, but yet at the same time, I had this burning passion to, to go back and try to live for him. And so I get through the light and I see my tunnel. And at the end of my tunnel, it was no longer that dark void now. It was my hospital room. And in this hospital room, I could see, you know, myself laying down on the bed and I could see all the doctors and nurses in the hospital room. But it was as if I was looking through my own eyes. Uh, And I was able to see everything as if I was, you know, laying in this bed. Of course, my my eyes were closed and they had this this machine on me and they were doing, it was called a Lucas machine, and they were doing chest compressions and they had me hooked up to oxygen and some other electrodes on my head and things trying to to preserve my life. So I was going back to this this chaotic scene, knowing that that it was going to be worse, that you know i was going to go back to a body that had been dead for however long i had been dead i didn't find out until later that it was over 10 minutes but i i'm going back to this this body that is dead and i was i was so excited that i had just had this experience that i had this connection with god now and i wasn't afraid to go back to this body i was i was excited i was excited to go back and endure more because i knew that was going to be well repaid when i got back to heaven again but it was because i I knew that there were people that I would be able to reach that didn't know that love of God or did know it but just needed more encouragement and so I'm, I'm going back to this to this body and I'm getting closer and closer and when I got back to where where I was, I just snapped back into my body and the the doctors wrote it into, in my notes that I spontaneously revived and so that, you know, I, I can only describe what that was like. I don't know what it looked like necessarily to them, but they had shock on their face. I, I think that they had, had decided to call it or were, were very close to calling it because they had taken that, that machine off my chest. And so it, it looked as if they were going to call, call me dead and just say, you know, it's time to give up. But I, when I popped up, I, I remember raising my head up as far as I could. And I asked the doctor, looked straight into his eyes and I asked him if I had just died. And, you know, I'm, i a psychotherapist at that time when I had died. And I, I, you know, have studied psychology. I was just a passion of mine. And so I had devoted my life to, to psychology and to particularly counseling. And I, I never believed in near-death experiences. So part of me, I wanted to have this validation you know, medically that I had actually died, not had this out of body experience or, you know, not that I, I discount those anymore either, but I, I discounted the idea that people were going to have these, these death experiences. And so I, I wanted that verification and I immediately asked him that and he had to come down to me because I had oxygen on. So it was hard to hear me. And so he, he comes down and And I said it again and he looked me in the face and it it looked as if he, he almost was going to have a heart attack because he was looking at me as if he couldn't still couldn't believe that I had just came back. And he said, yeah, you just died. And so then he's, you know, doing a whole bunch of other work and everybody's running around, you know, it was all chaotic still, and maybe even more chaotic now because they, they were half of them were cheering and so excited so, I mean, it was it was a really powerful moment, and I just felt this, this extreme ecstasy. Like, I had just been to heaven, and I, I couldn't wait for this oxygen mask to come off so I could tell everybody about it. You know, I just couldn't wait to to be able to share it. And I just remember, you know, all the pain that I felt, it felt like nothing to me. I, I've never felt so good where I I couldn't even remember how much pain they you know that machine broke a few ribs so you know I had I had increased amounts of pain but I I barely remember any of that pain I just remember the that love stayed with me that whole time I was in the hospital and even for you know I think a month or so afterwards that I just felt this extreme amount of love and peace over me and they ended up having to uh I had a defibrillator at the time. So they had to shut that one off. It wasn't working properly. And they want, had to bring me into an emergency surgery to put in a new pacemaker and defibrillator to uh, try to help, you know, monitor my heart a little bit more accurately, but they couldn't, they couldn't give me any kind of, uh, you know, uh, pain medication. They couldn't sedate me. They were too worried that I would, would die again. So they, they had to do this the surgery and, and, you know, it was, you know, you could feel it. I I could feel what was happening, but it, it almost was as if I couldn't feel it. It, it felt so insignificant to me. It felt like minor tugging just because of how good I was feeling from, from this interaction with God. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, I think encompasses the whole idea of, of that suffering joyfully is that, you know when we when we attach ourselves and our lives to to God he he takes control and it's not as if we lose who we are even in heaven when i was submitting myself to him i never once lost who i was it it was it was as if i knew who i was more profoundly because god knows me and he loves me he loves who he made and that was intense. That was, that's still to me, it just, it gives me so much confidence in my life and brings me so much joy. So for the next two years, I was in and out of the hospital all the time. My, my autoimmune diseases, you know, I still have them, but they, they were just, it was slowly killing me. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they ended up having to to have me do a a heart transplant. And I, when I was in heaven, God told me he was going to give me a new heart. And I had thought that he was going to just make my old heart new and do a miraculous healing. So I I was hesitant to get a heart transplant. I kept putting it off, and finally, um, in in the fall of 2018, I agreed to to move forward with the heart transplant. So in 2017 and in January, that's when all that, that near death experience happened. So in the fall, I decided I would go ahead and. and 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 so when I did that, I uh, was told in in Minnesota that it would, you know, take at least five years, if ever, for me to get a heart transplant. So I I decided to go down to Arizona because I I was at the Mayo Clinic, and the Mayo Clinic has has a a hospital down in Phoenix, Arizona, and they said that, you know, just there's more highly dense populations down there in the cities and you have to be within a four mile radius or a four hour radius to to be able to get the heart from the donor to you and so it's just the timing of it particularly for the 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 uniqueness of the heart that I was going to need I had I had a better opportunity if I went down there so I went down there in January of of 2019 and in March of 2019 on Ash Wednesday of all days, I uh, was able to get my heart, and it was so amazing because the the day before, all through throughout that whole those two months that I was waiting for this heart, I kept I kept getting calls and told that hey, we have a heart available, but they were turning them down, and they just they just didn't feel that they were going to be a good match for me, and so we get to the point where you know I I'm right up to this to Ash Wednesday of 2019, I went into a doctor's appointment the day before and um, they told me, yeah, we had another heart last night, but we had to turn it down. And I, I told him, I said, don't turn down the next one. Cause I'm not going to make it. There was that feeling again, that I wasn't going to live much longer. I didn't you know, have an idea of how much longer it was going to be, but I just, I thought I'm not going to make it. I, I was just about to die. And my, my skin was like ashen gray color. There was no circulation. You know, it was, it was as if my heart just wasn't working at all. And it really wasn't. It was, it was a dead heart, but it was, it was just wonderful because I, I went back to this hospice living, living house that I was in. And, you know, my, my mom had to come down there and live with me so that I, cause you had to have a caretaker and uh, my wife was back with my children and and so it was, it was really difficult, you know, when I, I called my wife and told her that, you know, I, I was kind of hesitant to tell her too much, too many details. I didn't want her to worry more than she already was. But I, I told her that, you know, another one had been turned down and, you know, just asked her some prayers. And but I told my mom, I said, mom, I, I'm not sure I'm going to wake up, you know, but I, I'm so tired. I just got to go to sleep. And I said, I told her I loved her and I told my kids and everybody, I love them and, I really made peace that I just probably wasn't going to make up, wake up from this one. And so I went to sleep cause I was so exhausted. And a little while later I got the phone call and they said, Brian, we got a heart and it's a good one. We need you to come in right now. So I went in and ended up getting that heart that, that very next day, which was Ash Wednesday. It was, it was as if God had my heart in his hand that whole time. And he fulfilled what he had said. He was going to let me have that longer life and, and it's it's just so amazing how he's he's done this. Covid hit the year after that, and you know I was being tested all the time, and you know still I'm always tested. My organs are have all been attacked. When they took my heart out, they they did a, a biopsy on it, and they said there's no way this heart should have been functioning. It was completely destroyed. I mean, it looked like beef jerky or like some kind of a dog toy. It was the inside of my heart was completely eaten away from, from the, the disease that I have it had scar tissue. What it does is it attacks the cells and turns the healthy cells into scar cell, scar tissue. So my whole heart was completely destroyed. And they said, you know, without this part and without this part and this damage right here and this right here, your heart shouldn't have been functioning. We have no idea or no explanation for why your heart was still working at all. And, you know, I knew why but it was God, but it was really amazing. But then, you know, when COVID hit, they were telling me that I needed to have a liver transplant. And the hospital that I was at said that, you know, if I didn't get the COVID vaccine, that I wouldn't be eligible to have a liver transplant. And, you know, I, having already been through this whole issue with vaccines and, you know, the, the kind of clandestine approaches that sometimes they take with some of these things, I just wasn't comfortable going that route. And, you know, I, I have strong issues with, with the, the use of aborted fetuses for, for testing. And, you know, I just believe all life is of so much value and how I just look at things now is how he loves all life. So I, I, I couldn't make peace with doing that. And, you know, that just was for me. I I just couldn't do it. And I told them that I, I wouldn't do that. And they said, well, you're not eligible then. And they refused to, to move forward with that. And, you know, I put that into God's hands too. And, since that point, my liver has started to heal, heal up. And, you know, it's just amazing what, what God can do with, with that confidence. You know, it was like when I was laying in that hospital bed, you know, looking at that crucifix until I had confidence that, that God would, would forgive me, that he would be there for me. I had to trust in him. And when you do that, it, it opens up the floodgates of his graces and Really, that's, that's the whole message I bring back, you know, is that we have a God that loves us so dearly, so immensely, that if we just get out of our own ways, you know, if we get out of his way, he can take over. And it doesn't mean that we become robots or, or something, you know, inferior to who we think we are. We become better and we become more profoundly who we are meant to be. And that's really the message that, that
2: I, I bring back. Praise God. And um, uh, I think for me, this is the most important question. And I think uh, I I know from the people that write me and communicate with me in different manners um, would also have a similar uh, type of curiosity as well. And I, I, so the, the, what do you do? Okay. So in other words, so, you know, I, I, tongue-in-cheek I say this, this program is more about applied Christianity than it is about, you know, churchianity because we need to get out of that, that trap of churchianity and seek God and make it real in our lives. And and so part of that is, you know, I, I – I, you know, kind of like tongue in cheek earlier today, I say, I, I, I sometimes get the feeling and boy, it sure seems this way uh, historically that I end up going through something really, really hard. And then after I get, get through it, the Lord shows me a few things in the scripture, teaches me a few things. And then I can look back on it and go, okay, I get it. I know why I had to go through that. And, you know, but anyway, here to circle back, You you know, regarding suffering joyfully, you know, it's one thing if you've been taken to heaven and you've had that powerful, emotional, ecstasy filled experience. And what about all the other believers that are that don't have that? Now, we're blessed by your experience. And that's that's a hallelujah and an amen. However, what would be your recommendation to those of us who don't have that to fall back upon to. Learn to to suffer joyfully because I'm kind of like a version of Peter, you know. I am I am a over, I'm I, I'm I don't know if if you were to put like a bar graph up my my emotional. Uh, makeup is it, it's very very high, so I, I you know I tell people that you know I'm essentially a highly sensitive person or an HSP by definition, and that I I probably align closer to Peter in his earlier days than you know and I admit it I I'm going to wear my heart on on my sleeve I'm going to become sure. James five sixteen you know, I'm going to help other people get through the things that they have to go through because I've already been there. Now, that being said, I still struggle a lot, okay, uh, you know, when when we're going through the kind, you know, so like if a person is going through, and I don't want to downplay the significance of all the things that you've been through because it's had to have been absolutely horrific, but but also when a person is going through continuous... Medical things and everything there there becomes a type of acceptance that occurs after you go through your five stages of grief and all that kinds of stuff. You come to a place it doesn't make it necessarily all that much easier, but it there's a, there's an emotional stabilization point that ha- occurs um, but anyway, what about the rest of us? you know we don't have that to fall back upon so when the giant quarry truck of ugly is backing up and we hear that dreaded beep 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 and we're about to get pummeled and we know we are and it's going to be horrible to go through it and it is Uh, you know i i could sit here and give you case study after case study after case study of believers that i've been ministering to for over a decade and i'm telling you it's some pretty horrible stuff i mean right out of the bag of the worst case ugly and and i'm saying okay what's the trick because none of us have that trick Okay. We, you know, sure. Right. I'll tell people, keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world. Uh, you know, Colossians three, two, I, I tell people to focus on, uh, you know, get your get, get, get yourself a copy of the book, Intramuros, you know, My Dream of Heaven written by Rebecca Springer, read it. You know, we need to spend more time, uh, you know, dwelling on God, dwelling on where we're going, dwelling on the excitement of all of that. And, to try to pull us out of the inevitable reality pit uh that you know that we're trapped in in this prison Fallen one third, or whatever you want to call it, and it is. This is a horrible planet. I mean, even God Himself, back in Genesis uh, six, give or take, said that He regretted putting man on this planet, and He and He had, He was having second thoughts about it um, more than once. I mean, you know, even with Moses, you know, coming before Him and saying, what? "Please, you know, don't don't wipe out the Israelites; it'll make us look bad in front of all the Egyptians." So, I mean, you know. This is ugly. The, the, the time that we are on on this earth, I mean, honest to goodness, I mean, anybody who's paying attention. Now, if you're, now if you're busy, you're distracted, you've got a billion things going on with your family, you might not know. But the listeners of this program know very well that we are deep into the Olivet Discourse. We are about yeah. a third of the way through Revelation chapter 6. And this earth is more ugly and sinister and satanic and disgusting and filthy than it has ever been in the history Absolutely. of the world and and it's exceedingly difficult to get to keep it together okay even ecclesiastes 1 uh, uh 7 i believe it is says uh you know the more the more knowledge that we have you know the the more sorrow that we're going to have so again what's the secret um you know what i mean Cause yeah I, for the life of I, me, cannot think of anything. I mean, if I could just, you know, put a little red dot on my forehead and push it as a button and say, "Oh, I suddenly have joy," even though I'm getting the Dickens kicked out of me, you know. I mean, yeah. where's the joy button? What do we? What do we do? Yeah. How do you do it?
3: I totally get what you're saying. I, you know, this is this is such a common experience that you know people have this reaction because. We we all know what it's like to suffer in, in a way, or to not want to suffer because we can look at something and we say, "I don't want that. That's that's not for me." Please, God, don't give me that. But whatever He does allow to come to us, if we can look at it and say, "This is my ticket to salvation. This is the thing that's going to help me get there," because He doesn't let us have things that aren't good for us. You know, He does let us have consequences of our own our own actions. You know, if I eat a bunch of tacos. God doesn't have to punish me with that nature. Does that just for for him? You know, I know not to eat a bunch of tacos and think I'm not going to have, you know, little GI discomfort afterwards. But these, the things that we're talking about, this, this suffering that, that comes that just seems as if almost like a test, if you will. I think a lot of people, you know, hesitate to call it a test and we, you know, we don't really know where it's coming from, but, this massive kind of suffering that seems almost to where it's going to overwhelm us. Those are, that's our, that's our key to to say, this is, this is something that I can really get closer to God with. You said we are going to suffer in this life. I mean, you even mentioned it as, you know, most of your listeners are well aware that we live in a world that's fallen and it's,
2: and it's ugly.
3: I mean, it's, it's fallen and it's as if the inmates have taken over the prison. Right. And, so we're being constantly barraged by, by just evil, satanic people who are under the influence of these demons that are, are against us, and they hate us. But the, the reality is, is that that suffering that we go through, that is the thing that brings us closer to God. All of us know for a fact, when things are going really well in our lives, we usually don't thank God as much as we, as we pray to him when things are going bad. When things are going wrong in our lives, if we're facing, facing some kind of a, a dilemma or, or even just a, a, a trial of some sort. We usually get right down on our knees and we're praying to God with this, this intensity that we should be living our whole lives doing. We should always be praying to him like that. But sometimes it takes us just like the Israelites in, in the desert. They, they had to constantly be broken down because we're willful. We, we forget how wonderful God is, and we start to say, well, you know, Egypt wasn't so bad. You know, we can go back to that slavery. We start to do those kinds of things as, as human beings. And those, those moments where we have to suffer, they really are the things that do bring us closer to God. And when we can look at it and say, you know, if our God had to come down from heaven and carry a cross, why do I think that I should have to escape that? Why do I think that I'm so wonderful I can escape having to do the very same thing. And if we can get to that point where we can accept it, that's going through those five stages of grief. We have to realize that this life is not what we're meant for. We were we were designed and made to be in, in communion with God. You know, Adam and Eve chose to eat, eat that apple. So when they did that, they, they brought sin into the world. And that's where corruption and ugliness comes from. And it's it's that sin that we have to battle against and we have to fight against and you know, suffering is, is, a, is a cleansing way. It's, it's something that, that we really can't avoid in this life. And when we, when we can learn to accept it, that's when it, it becomes a little easier. It doesn't mean that we still don't feel it because, you know, it wouldn't be suffering if we didn't feel, feel the intensity of it, but it's, it's trusting in God, knowing that he's there with us. You know, when I, when I finally did that in that hospital room, I trusted in him. I, it, all that, that fear went away. And the fear was the part growing worse. It, it's, it's the part that drives us crazy because we, we realize our weakness. And when we, when we learn that we can depend on him and we can hold on to him, just hang on to his cross, hold on to him and, and his hand, that makes suffering right. much more bearable
2: you know that 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 is absolutely very true it you know and it's uh it's uh, and and i think i speak for pretty much the vast majority of believers uh you know in a lot of cases it is definitely easier said than done um it does, what you said is absolutely a fact. Um I I oftentimes you know, mention to people, don't forget, you know, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. And um you yeah. know, and of course uh, yeah, and uh, I'll hold up, you know, Isaiah 29 verse um I believe it's 9 where it says when when the inhabitants of the earth learn uh when the inhabitants of the earth are, are, are receiving judgment, uh the, the whole world will learn righteousness or something along that line. The point is... Is that you know, in the darkness rises up the light, and and oh my gosh, there's so many historical examples. It's absolutely unbelievable. Like you know, for example, the um, the, those, the the all the missionaries that were over proselytizing China were kicked out of China by Mao Tung's rule. But then after Mao Tung got deposed, you know, and, and went, on, went wherever he went, um, the you know Moody Bible Institute and all the lead, leading missionary groups that were over there were like, well, will we find any Christians left? In China, yeah well, when they bet, went back to China, the Christian population had multiplied something like times one hundred and fifty or two hundred they had like millions more christians than than they than they had when they were uh, over there peacefully um, proselytizing yeah. so so it, that right. that you you nailed it and and so i think I think where it really becomes now see then of course, if you do have. And this is a generational thing, and some people would say it was, it's demonic, but I, I I disagree with that because um, otherwise the Bible wouldn't have it all over it. You know, be anxious for nothing, and all things through praise and supplication, let your needs be made known to God. I mean, the term anxious or anxiety appears in the in the Textus Receptus versions of the Bible so many times, you could you know fill up a card catalog full of them. So the point is. Um, You know, like there's one in Proverbs that says anxiety in the heart of a man causes, you know, depression or something like that. So, you know, it's not the Bible makes it very clear. It's not. A demonic thing like the Pentecostals would normally jump to that conclusion for virtually anything. If you're not walking around with a flag in your yeah. hand, running up and down the aisles, going "You be we're all saved," and there's no contrite spirit, there's no fear of God, and and, and you know you right. take the negative terminal, the battery off, and guess what? Current doesn't flow. So you just got a big pile of happy people, full of presumptuous sin, which is a particularly egregious affront unto the Father. He wants us to be the tax collector in the parable, the tax collector and the Pharisee. He wants us to understand that. We we are not worthy, and and it is a continuous process. We spend all that time on our knees, um, it, but yeah, I, I can tell you one thing. For one of my biggest problems is that I inherited, and I have other relatives to it in my same generation. I inherited my. My daughter has it. My my niece Dawn has it real bad, uh, to the point where she had to get special you know special government funding because she couldn't work anymore. But um you know generalized anxiety disorder is where it starts out. Yeah. Okay. But it, but yep. that that can lead into depression. And so what happened, right. And it's funny too because whenever I look back at all the refiners fire or testing that God is for maybe even chastening that God is putting me through any one of a thousand reasons, when I look back on it later, I always see epiphanies. I see revelations. I see, wow, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be like, wow, I wouldn't realize this. I wouldn't realize that. I'll give you an example. The last one I just went through was massive, massive layoffs at work. I lost so many, actually pretty much everybody that I could consider to be a friend is gone. And um, and it was brutal the way it was handled. It was incredibly insensitive. But anyway, um, and of course, you, you're pretty sure you're going to be gone too. And when you're like me, and I don't have a wife or anybody else to fall back on, I'm just one guy, two dogs, a house, ministry, and a job. And that's it. So, you know, my burn rate. If I lose my job, my burn rate—it's like it's like the the best analogy yeah. I've come up with—is C one thirty with both wings on fire. <laughs> okay, exactly. so anyway, yeah. so that puts you know a little bit of earthly, fleshy fear in you. But to your point, you're absolutely right because um, two different things. If God wants to affect a noteworthy change in your life dynamics, he's going to have to burn down your house because you're not going to leave it voluntarily unless you have another plan and you want to move. I mean, we don't – a lot of people don't think about those kinds of things, but sometimes God has to make something really, really, really bad happen in order to change things up and get you relocated and get you to where he needs you to be because he sees the beginning from the end. So you got that dynamic. But then the other dynamic is one that I still struggle with, and I shouldn't. And I always end up having to go back and apologize to the Lord, you know, that godly sorrow thing that you feel, you know. And it was – it's this – like like one time – I'll never forget it. I had so many Christians stabbing me in the back with websites, you know. I mean it was vicious. And one in particular was exceedingly well-known, millions of hits, da-da-da-da-da. And then he put up a highly li- libelous web page just to disparage and destroy my life. It was even linked over to my workplace, and it was pretty horrible. And I got afraid because it wasn't just that guy attacking me, but there were other people attacking me too. And it was, just, it was coming at me from all directions. It was just unbelievable. It was like the Tet Offensive, and I was the last guy alive. You know. And it was unbelievable. And I, I got on my knees, and I was crying to the Lord, please help me. You know, and I'm, I'm not talking about five minutes of prayer here. We're talking about 20 minutes of very heartfelt, tear-filled, right. King Hezekiah-like prayer. And I got up from the – and I'm still nervous. I'm still having an anxiety attack. I get up from the chair, and I'm like, okay, i got to go to work now, that kind of thing. And I get to the door of my bedroom, and out of the clear blue sky, I hear like in my spirit, I hear, do you know who I am Do you know who I am? And I felt bad. Because the Lord made such a vivid point at that moment. It was like... If you really know who God is and that he is in charge of Satan, that he is in charge of all the things that are happening on the earth, and you read your Bible and you understand your Bible, there's a big difference between reading it and understanding it. I'm sure you realize that. Okay? But anyway… You know what I'm saying? So I'm guilty yeah, that- as charged. I raise my hand. But is there a trick? Is there something that you do? Do you do you stop and freeze when you feel that surge of anxiety starting to hit and say, "I rebuke you, anxiety." What I mean, what what's your trick? There's got to be something that you do proactively to jettison yourself from the negative to the positive and go back to the joy piece. You know, the
3: b- b- one thing that I do is. Exactly how you just described it. I mean, I go through those motions. I, I think that it's part of it is, is we have to actually get ourselves to realize that our God has conquered all of this, that we have to really believe that. But you're right. Mm-hmm. We, we, have, we have this anxiety that comes over us, and that's part of the human condition. And some people have it worse than others. And some people really, that, that is their suffering. And, mm-hmm. and my wife and my daughter really have bad anxiety and it's gotten worse since my, my experience. You know, they, they had to watch me die several times. And mm-hmm. so it, it's it been really tough, but, you know, I, I tell myself, no, I, I mean, when you think about that word, we're trained from very little children that no, no means we're not getting what we want. And so why not use that as, as a way to trigger our brain to recognize, no, we're not going to allow this to happen, that we're going to trust in God. And, and so I, I start there. You know, I I, I actually talk to my, my fears. I, I tell them, though, no, because I know God is going to step in. I can't say when he's paying away. It's he's always going to take at them. the
2: last minute. You know it as well as I do. God is a last-minute yes. God. I tell I tell people now. Now, if you have a delta to this, jump in because nothing is ever one way or the other. You know what I mean? But but in my walk, God always comes true. But it's always at the very last, minute. I mean, it's like when you're standing on the 23rd story with a window open thinking about how good that concrete looks down there. And all of a sudden, you know, God swoops in and says, bam, all that stuff that you thought was going to happen. I I even have a little saying. I stole it from a Dale Carnegie book. It's like, my life is full of calamities. That never happened. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I do that same thing. I I love what you said because I did it just the other day. But, boy, it takes a lot of practice. It really does because – you know, and it worked. It did work. I got up in the midst of just all kinds of unbelievable – like the stress meter was at 25, and it only goes to 10. The top of the meter just blew right off. And I was just – my hands were shaking. I'm like, man, I am – I'm dork because if I lose my job – my burn rate. I do the math. My burn rate is this. Even if I cut back cost, I'm still gonna. I don't even think I'll be able to do the radio show anymore. So the impact, and and then you know, there's uh, people that depend on the stuff because I help people, and and it's just it's just a huge ripple effect. And then of course that adds to the anxiety. And I got up in the middle of all this. No joke. Just this. I think it was like Friday morning or something like that, and um, or maybe Thursday afternoon. Because they were just terminating people like crazy. It was unbelievable. I mean, just like one one right after the other, bam, gone, bam, gone, bam. You know, it was just horrible. So I'm like, I get up from my desk to go take a break, and I I just burst into tears. I mean, I literally lost it. it. It just, you know, all the stress, the anxiety, everything, seeing the people get kicked to the street. You know, I, I lost it, and I started to cry, and it was a good, deep cry sob. And as soon as I got, oh, I don't know, three seconds into this crying, bawling, heaving thing, I just said, no, I will not do that. No. yeah, Out loud. Out loud, man. My dogs yeah. were looking at me yeah. like... <laughs> hey, Dad, hey, Dad! We need to go out back, if you know what we know. <laughs> so, but it yeah, worked. It actually did work. It does.
3: You know that's that's yeah. the thing. I you know I wrote in my book. I I wrote down all these these things that had happened to me, and it was always like that. It was always that very last moment to get to to the point, and and I realized that you know when I look back on this, it wouldn't have had that kind of significance on, on or that impact on me had God just given it to me right away. I would have patted myself on the back and said, well, wow, I got through another thing. I did it. I'm wonderful. I'm great. Instead of realizing that I was weak, I was powerless, and I needed God. And beauty of him waiting till that moment, he doesn't do anything past what we can actually handle. If, if, if he did, we'd all, we'd all die from fear. But he, he comes in at that moment that he knows that now you can't deny the power that I have for you and the love that yes. I have for you.
2: Yes, and part of the test, and this has been – I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. I have not arrived. I'm holding on to the bumper of the Jesus bus. But I, but, you know, <laughs> but I, but I will say this. You're holding on. Yeah, if you're holding on, you're doing pretty good. But anyway, um, but to your point, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, I've been telling people from my own personal lessons, I, I'm like, look. You know, I, I carry, like, laminated cards with scriptures and stuff every, everywhere I go. I don't want to – you know, I even get kind of a little panicky if I change a shirt and I'm like, oh, no, where's my cards? But uh, like like Mark eleven twenty three, it's like Jesus essentially promising us that whatever we ask and pray and believe in his name, we will receive it. So I hold this card up. I'm like, you know, Jesus, I, I, you're not a man that you would lie, and I know you're not a fibber. So, uh, you know when (laughs) i'm still waiting down here and and what i tell people is i'm like you need to praise you praise praise brings down the wall of jericho praise breaks open the jail cell bars and paul gets to go back and freak everybody out or whatever peter but the, the point is um uh Praise you. You need. And it's got to. And here's the thing. You can't fake praise because people can. People will sing Jesus songs and everything else. But deep down in their heart, they're feeling all kind of bummed out and sad. No, you got to shift that around. You got to be so dog nabbed positive that Jesus is going to come through for you, that you are actually praising him because, you know, he is, you know, he is. And And, and you know what? God will still make you wait until the very last second as part of your test. Because to your point about the Israelites, it says in Psalm seventy-eight forty-one, 41, it says that again and again, they, the Israelites, tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So the second that we stop having faith, the second that we, you know, aren't praising from the bottom of our heart because we know we're going to receive it, we are actually forfeiting what we would have received otherwise and then you sit there feeling like God never answered your prayer at all. You gotta pray through. You gotta praise through. You gotta push to the very end. And I'm guilty as charged, man. Sometimes so many quarry trucks of ugly dump on my head at one time. I'm too busy pulling off all the ugly, <laughs> you know, freaking out. You know, it's kind of like when a tornado's ripping the roof of your house off. You're not exactly sitting there going, you know, well, I wonder what I'm gonna have for breakfast tomorrow. You know. So anyway, it's a thank. Thank you so much for that because I I I'm actually amazed really that that you are you do the same thing that I just did the other day and what I did the other day was my first time doing it. Uh, you know I, I'm 60 years old. I've been doing this radio show for like about uh, approaching a 12th year. So I can tell you, you know, if I'm still struggling, and but you know, but you know how it is, Ryan. I'm preaching to the choir. When you start the walk the way God wants you to walk. It's the land of purple hearts and silver stars, <laughs> okay? You know, if you're doing yeah. damage to the devil, it yeah. doesn't, you know, your ride doesn't get any smoother. You know what I mean? No.
3: <laughs> no. And, 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 that you know, it's just, opposite. That's where we know we're doing the right things. I mean, if it, was, if it was all easy, then we wouldn't have an enemy that's attacking us, and we would probably be in his clutches in, in far more danger than we could ever imagine.
2: Oh yeah, I tell people all the time. I, I tell them, look, if you're participating in the prayer vigil, you're you, you're learning the spiritual warfare tactics and you're and you're le- leveraging them, using them. Uh, you know, as much as you pray or on a daily basis. Uh, you know, folks, you better buckle up. <laughs> you better start looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Is there something heading your way? You might not see it yet, but it's a coming. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's just how it is. Right. <laughs> anyway, yep. Yep. your testimony was absolutely mind-shattering, absolutely awesome, and where it ended up, the lesson to, the takeaway lesson is going to benefit wow, thousands of people for a long time. It will be it's benefiting me already. I already got my my supernatural confirmation from the Lord via your testimony uh that the method that I'm employing right now works and I should continue to do so because I got to. Um, but everything was just been awesome. And tell us about your book. Tell us about your website. Where do people go to get it? What's the name of your book? Uh, this is uh, something that I think is a wonderful witnessing tool for all of us.
3: Well, the name of the book is From Sudden Death to Paradise. And it's, I, I used the pseudonym. So I, I used the pseudonym T.S. Dismas. And uh, it, I also have that as my, uh, there's a website com. people can find me on facebook it's how do you spell t-s-d-i-s-m-a-s and uh you know i, I use the pseudonym because I, I i chose saint thomas the apostle and saint simon of Cyrene, the, the guy who helped carry the cross and dismas was the good thief that was his name so i i chose that because you know, they all have a bit of significance for me now that i uh went through this experience, but, so that's, that's how I've, I've come up with that pseudonym, but I have a Gmail account, psdismath at Gmail. People can email me there and I, I interact and talk to people and i mean from all over the world. So I, I tried to get to all the, the messages and I never, never don't get back to people. So people can definitely contact me if they're going through something, they want to talk. I'm open
2: to that too. That's In awesome. Listen. Make sure I got this right now. Uh T Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to do the military thing on you guys, okay, you listeners out there. Tango, Foxtrot, Delta, India, Foxtrot, uh Michael, uh uh, uh Alpha and Sierra. Would that be correct? Sierra. Oh, what what what's the second
3: yeah. to the last one? The Sorry. Oh. Yeah, um it's so it's it's TS dismiss
2: and that's delta india is it frank or sierra
3: oh um for yeah it's sierra for the, that th- the third letter it's sierra yep correct okay yeah.
2: so it's di- dismiss like christmas but dismiss so when you don't show up at the christmas party you dismissed everybody at the party <laughs> okay i got it <laughs> <Yep. Okay. laughs> Right. So uh, so Tango, Foxtrot, Delta, India, Sierra, Michael, Alpha, Sierra. Dismiss. Got it. All right. Praise God at at gmail.com. So you can reach um, Brian there as well. And uh, that's that's just absolutely beyond awesome. Praise God. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, You have helped me a lot. Uh, I didn't know that I hit the jackpot when I – you know, there's life and death in the power of the tongue, and 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 our reality is that you know we have got to arrive at that place where we, you no know, matter it's it's a uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Although I wish I could practice it a little bit better, is Job 13:15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him, and that's where we all need to get to, so that we can have peace when those quarry trucks are backing up toward you. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So anyway, thank you so much, Ryan. Great time with you tonight. learned a lot. Um, It's applicable, and it's going to change people's lives. I hope hope, uh, a lot of people look into your book as well. God bless you, and thank you so much.
3: Yeah, God bless you, brother. Have a good night.
2: All of you. Uh, amen. All of you have a good night. Hang in there. If you're in the American workplace, you're taking a beating. You can believe it. Just keep on, keep your head down, keep on praying, stay on your knees, confess your sins continuously, and, uh, and you know, don't hurt your father's feelings. You know, work on it. And if you got an issue in your life and you keep on dorking up, you just got to need to talk to Jesus, get all the help that you can get. Believe, praise, believe, praise, believe, praise, believe, praise, believe, praise, and never stop never stop and you're going to be wake up one day and you're going to go like hey wow i can't believe i did change finally and i could give you examples it took years for me to change on something so anyway praise god thank you jesus hallelujah we'll see you all friday night i'm sorry wednesday night at 7 p.m and boy oh boy do i mean lord willing hallelujah thank you brother brian thank you all for joining us powerful testimony praise jesus
4: Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might Sinners at the mercy of grace Redeemed we are by your embrace Praise his holy name
1: Yeshua
4: Praise the King of Kings coming be When will your trumpet sound for me For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride to set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Through our mind we knew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. To set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full, our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins, we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. blessed sound the dead will rise the churches gather we're praying that we're worthy Lord to join our family when will your coming be when will your trumpet sound for me we will endure and while we wait we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free
1: I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.